As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a podcaster. I know I'd go from rags to riches. To me, talking about movies was better than being president of the Screen Actors Guild. Even before I got my first microphone, I knew I wanted to be part of a squad. It was there that I knew I belonged. There was Danny and Freddie and me, and our first fan, Sheila, a.k.a. Ruthless Buzzy. And then there was Smidgen and Galad. Watch what the fist is doing. Eustace B. a warden. We called him that because he used to be the warden at Sing Sing. Nobody even knows his real last name. <laughs> you understand me? And then there was Adam and his brother, Fat JJ. My name is Jacob Joseph. Stop body shaming me. I'm only body shaming you because you're morbidly obese. And living legends like Al Pacino and Jack Nicholson. I know a guy who knows a guy who'll do that thing. I have no idea what you're talking about. And young Al Pacino and Nick Nolte. What are you talking about? There's an old version of you right over there at the other end of the bar. Can I get out of the sling now, Nick, please? Oh, I ain't finished yet. There's the sayer of the flaw. This may be the only movie that's not flawed. Well, the last 30 minutes. And Geppetto the Wop and Toadie No-Face. Uh, what does nefarious mean? And you... Now that's a spicy meatball, huh? Richard Farnsworth's ghost and Lumpy from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Lumpy, get off my damn tractor! <laughs> and Dr. Merlot, nicknamed because he was always drunk and coming up with horrible ideas. Now, what would happen if we spliced a kangaroo in a wheelchair? There were those two things that Bill Cosby and Orson Welles used to keep saying over and over again. Ah, I have been French in this champagne. business 52 years, and I will... Celebrated for a sex I've never months. seen anything like this. And of course, the big guy. The knot in Ted Wass's sarong. That sarong knot might have moved slow, but it was only because Ted Wass's sarong knot didn't have to move for anybody. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no! Don't get about her. Don't get about her! No, 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 no! Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 60 of Opening Weekend, the podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends. I am Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa, and this week we're headed all the way back to September 19th, 1990, and the release of a modern cinema classic, Martin Scorsese's thrilling, funny, shocking, lightning-fast gangster epic, Goodfellas. 
Goodfellas. Considered by many to be the best film of the 1990s, much in the same way that Scorsese's Raging Bull is considered to be the best film of the 1980s, even though each film was released in the very first year of their respective decades, and even though each film lost the Oscars for Best Picture and Best Director to films by first-time filmmakers who also happen to be movie stars. In 1990, that was Kevin Costner's Dances with Wolves, and in 1980, it was Robert Redford's Ordinary People. Uh, in addition to revisiting Goodfellas, though, we are also going to share our top 10 favorite gangster slash crime films. But before we dive in, Fred and Dan, where were you boys in September of 1990? Oh, working at the Movie City, also <gasps> known as Movie City 6, also known as Movie Shitty Sex. Yeah. <laughs> As we recall, um, so many movies that I saw over and over again. And you're taking me back to this time by talking about Dances with Wolves, mm -hmm. because that played at the movie theater where I was and uh, where I was working. And I watched Talk about that. shitty sex. Well, now, wait Ooh, a minute. Tatanka. And, uh, <laughs> wait, what? Graham Greene had lovely sex in that movie. You stop it. Um, <laughs> under a bearskin something. <laughs> or a buffalo skin. The the uh under a bear skin something. <laughs> Sissy Spacek is a Kevin Costner joint. Oh. <laughs> I was like, who wrote Prince of Tides? That's not some, something. Uh, Pat Conroy presents Under a Bear Skin Something. Under the Bear Skin Something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I want to see that. Did, was Goodfellas there? Did you guys have Goodfellas that Goodfellas was theater? not playing. Oh, I had no. to go over to the general cinemas and I saw it alone. We'll talk all about that. Oh, wow. So I by myself. Um, because there was such, we'll, we'll get to this too, but I feel like there was a re-release somewhere in there of Goodfellas once the Oscar nods came oh, probably. out. probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, well, I think I saw it prior to that, but I'm, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, no, it was not playing it at uh, Movie City 6. I had to go cross town to see that movie, but we had Dances with Wolves, which I saw a hundred times, Glory, which was great and I loved, oh, yeah. and I saw All that right. a bunch of times. Um, we didn't have Godfather 3. What else would have been going? Uh, it was this, this time, Total Recall? Yeah. Is that, yeah, a, is yeah, that this recall. past summer? Yeah. yeah, saw that a bunch of times. That was a huge opening for us. That was like sold it out. And we had, we had, <laughs> now it's like, you know, I, I, you kind of feel like, oh, was I trapped in the play The Flick by Annie Baker? Because we had <laughs> the first, we had the first digital um, projector in town. You know, oh, wow. and 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 the, oh, the wow. movies would come in on these big like discs wow. and you and you would kind of and, and I would watch the projectionist sort of lay them in. It wasn't like a it wasn't a, a now all the we had six theaters in there. Movie movie city six. <laughs> the other five had regular just projectors. They were still projecting film. But now this, was that like with um like in Fight Club, how Brad Pitt talks about how you got to change the reel at a certain spot. Oh, yeah. Did you guys have to do that? Where like mm -hmm. there's a mark on there's a whole thing in Fight Club where they talk about there's a mark that you see on the on the film reel and when, yes. when you see that and but it's, it's imperceptible yeah but yeah. like that's your cue as the projectionist to come and switch the reel and in yeah. Fight Club they like put little they like splice in little shots of dicks and whatnot. I <laughs> 
I think that what our projectionist would do, if I'm not mistaken, would set it up to pre, Mm -hmm. it was all pre-programmed to do that. But yes, back in the day, you would have to go, okay, (laughs) when I see that thing, now I can start the next reel at any time. And there was a real art to being a projectionist. Like you had to like time it just right so (laughs) that there wasn't like, you know, just blank, black screen in between reel one and reel two or two and three. Isn't that in the cinema so that there wasn't too much like, yes, in a Paradiso, they show that, yeah. Um, but, but also so that you don't have too much double exposure. You're not, both projections aren't going at the same time, you know? Um, but on this digital sort of, like it was flat, like they laid it onto this big, like table or plate almost. And that was the digital and we had digital sound in there and everyone was like, it's so cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. And one of the first movies, you know, um, for that, that I can recall being like, just, boy, this is really a crispness and a, a laser precision to the, to the video quality because it was on video was total recall. Now, little did we know that this was sort of the beginning of the end for, you know, seeing movies on film. And, uh, um, you know, it's unfortunate that there are only very few, uh, if at all, any really, I don't think there are any multiplexes that are still showing that are projecting film. Right. I don't know. I mean, maybe there are, but yeah, probably not multiplexes or anything like that, but uh, maybe certain art houses or whatever. That all started. See, that's why you say this. And I'm like, oh, that seems so early for digital projection because I didn't really hear about it much until Lucas with the prequels and stuff. And he's like, I'm only Mm going to show it in theaters that have those projectors. But of course, they would have had to have existed for a while before 99 or whenever he started making those kind of demands, you know. Right. Um, yeah. He didn't want it shown on film. On so film. any place that was still shoot, showing film, you know, that was the beginning of the end for those. It for sounds those like it was places. a giant copy machine. Did you sit on and like do your butt on there and project <laughs> your ass onto the screen? I would do Like you that. do in the copy machines at Princeton Review. <laughs> right. I would time. do that in the ticket booth at the window. <laughs> if someone was buying a ticket to a movie I didn't like, I was like, maybe you'd like a ticket to this. <laughs> and is just this drop my shit? Pen. Yes, it is. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I mean, on my actual <laughs> ticket. Wait, you see the walls of the bathroom. Oh. Oh. Go back to episode <laughs> and you'll hear the poop story. <laughs> the Die Hard episode. Right? No, not friend. Die Hard. Ghost, probably, right? That ghost. Been the ghost episode, yes, probably. yes. But so many great movies um, this summer. And then, yeah, senior year. Senior year of high school. The big man on campus. I was the editor of the school newspaper. I was on the varsity, gentlemen, not junior varsity, varsity bowling team. Yeah. Okay. Earning my varsity letter with my 155 crappy average. Now, listen. <laughs> what was I the was name a, of your bowling team? We and were did the, you have satin jackets? Well, no, we were the Kennedy Mustangs. Okay. You know, because that was our, that was our high school. We were the first, we were the first entity in the country named for John F. Kennedy. Go ahead. No, I just remember (laughs) when I talked about in third grade, I said I was on a bowling team and there was, and you were like, what was the mask? I said, I don't remember. There was like a a horse or something on the, and you guys made fun of me for like that. My bowling team would have had a horse (laughs) as a logo. And it's like, yeah, well you did too. Yeah. Goddamn Kennedy Mustang. I feel validated now that 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 idiots all over the tri-state area were leading <laughs> <laughs> bowling with horseback riding. Please, please continue. 
Uh, well, listen, the, 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 oh, and our, our song, our fight song, not that we had a bowling fight song, but for the, but for the, well, we should have. Throw that um, ball at his head, make him bleed till he's dead with the Mustangs, Kennedy Mustangs, back and to the left with the ball, not a- Three fingers in, three fingers out. Roll them down, roll them down. Uh. Shout, shout, shout. Oh, yeah. so good. Uh, was that what it was, no. Dan? I'm sorry. Yes, you're both correct. It was a combination We're of those helping. two things. No, it was the horse. You know that song, the horse? Yeah, ba 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 da ba da ba da ba da boom boom boom. What? That song is called the horse. I've if never you, heard of that. I've never heard a song called the horse, and I've never heard the song that you were just yappa daka daka ding. Whatever you do, you're going to hear it farted later in a medley with Layla. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. We were a very good bowling team. I was the editor of the school newspaper, which meant that I could write about anything I wanted. And most of what I wrote about was movies because I was the movie column guy. And I would go to my professors that I'm not professors, my teachers that I liked. And I would be like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? And I remember my history professor, Mr. Zapataki, not only going to see Glory and Dances with Wolves, but then coming back to class and telling the whole class, you need to get over to Movie City where Dan works and see Glory and see Dances with Wolves. And then he assigned questions on the test about glory and Dances with Wolves oh, wow. for those like extra credit credit questions if you had seen the movie, which made people really like and respect me. They hated me for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, man. But I didn't man. know you two guys yet, but I soon, no. soon, one year away, one so soon. small year yeah. away. I didn't, I, don't, I didn't even know Jason by this point, probably, I mean, because this was just, yeah, we had just started. It was just started, yeah. So I may have... I'm, I don't even know if I was living. Did we meet before bus stop? Or? You weren't living. No, no you, I'm I, sorry. I, I yes, you were. I wasn't living at this point. I was in a state of uh, cryogenesis. Uh, I was frozen. And good. no, I did. That's a good, good question. I don't know if we met, but I remember I the first remember. time we met. It was at Bits and Bites. Yeah. And we were sitting outside yes, and you were coming too. up the stairs. And I think Steve Hogan was like, oh, this is Jason. And, <laughs> and you're like, oh, nice to meet you. And. Uh, but I don't know if that was before I, I started to to idolize and worship you for your performance oh, as the, the filthy Dr. Lyman. Dr. Lyman in Bus Stop. I remember us talking about it very early on. So maybe it was like, maybe I had started, maybe you, you know, maybe it was during the run of that show that we met or something. But it might have been before. I always assumed it was before. But I remember, um, I, I remember because I think you were growing the beard at that time. And I just remember thinking it was so weird. I was like, that dude's got a beard what the hell that's weird like, really well, i had a mustache and i had a mustache for bus stop but then i but then for hecuba because i was in both shows i was in bus stop at the beginning of the semester and then hecuba is how they pronounced hecuba uh oh, the, the greek right. uh, uh tragedy um and uh I was growing a full beard for that. So maybe we met. We uh, spent more time on this podcast talking about beards and when we had them and when we didn't have them. It's scintillating. <laughs> Remember that girlfriend you had that was a beard? I'm sorry. So <laughs> She was and had. You son of a bitch. But what were your um, first memories from those first, what was your, what's your strongest memory from those first days of college, Fred? Like you, you, I mean, were you nervous? Oh yeah. I remember my first day. I know exactly what it was because, well, so first of all, I wasn't, 
I hadn't moved on to campus yet because I applied to Hofstra late. I was originally supposed to go to GW in Washington, D.C. And very late uh, in the spring, I want to say like, yeah, maybe in the spring or the summer, it was my dad who started to sort of put Hofstra in my head because he's like, look, if you really want to be an actor, you know, don't you want to stay closer to New York? You know, why do you want to go to D.C.? Even though there's a, you know, wonderful theater scene in D.C., but he got me an appointment with Peter Sander, who's the chair of the department at Hofstra. And so I applied very, very late and auditioned very late, got in, you know, they were kind enough to give me some money. And, but I, I didn't get housing until my, I, I don't know how long it was. It, it, it might've been a month in or so. So around this no. time, I think I was still living at home, but I remember yes. my first class, it was drama five with DJ Markley, which was a sort of how would you describe that? It was like a, it was like a production design class, right? Yes, I guess yes. it was more about the production side. So I remember getting in my Ford Probe and I was driving there and I got lost and I was I got there a little <laughs> late and I couldn't find parking, so I was very nervous and I was running in and Steve Hogan, the aforementioned Steve Hogan. That's when I first met him. He was in that class, and I remember coming in and class had already sort of started. And DJ oh, late for your first day. That's late for my first day. That's the worst. Oh yeah, because I had I had no idea where I was going. I didn't know what I was doing. Oh my God. You know, nerve wracking. Nerve wracking. So when I and I go in there and it's it, you know it's in the West End Theater, which is that dark you know black box theater. So I'm mm-hmm. going in there. They're all sitting, you know, on the stage in a little <laughs> semicircle. And I was like, hi, hi, sorry, sorry. Oh, and I sat Jesus. down. And DJ was very like such a sweet man, but. The, I mean, you know, you think about <laughs> Ferris Bueller, that, you know, that, that guy, yeah, Bueller, Ben Stein, yeah. ben Stein. <laughs> he was, yeah, Ben Stein had, had marginally more energy than DJ Markley did. <laughs> and DJ had the voice of Kermit the Frog and he was he very low key. Like this, but I always bit. remember like I, I sit down I and the first thing he does is he, he draws a big circle yes. on the, <gasps> on the blackboard, oh, yeah. a big giant circle. And he's like. This circle represents everyone who wants to work in theater. Was and he re- I, related to Richard Farnsworth? Richard Farnsworth, yeah. <laughs> and then realize. he did a little dot in the middle and he said, and that's the percentage who actually work. Ouch. I'm like, great. Welcome to being a theater yeah. major. That's it. I remember that from the first day of his class too. And it's like, ah, oh, man, he's trying to depress us, psych us out, make us miserable, make us drop out. And that's the other thing he would say. He would be, say, look to your left. He was like, he was like Alec Baldwin and fucking Gwen Gary. So he's like, look to your left, look to your right. One of those people won't be here next year. Oh, and he was always right. He was right. It, it just, it, you know, just by the numbers. Yeah, it was a little nerve wracking in the beginning, but I got into the, you know, you get into the swing of things and I started, that's when, you know, I met all our, our good buddies, Pete and Andy Wells and Rob Grimes, that whole gang, they were living in the freshman dorm and uh, Mike Polofsky and, you know, a lot of people that we've mentioned on this podcast. But Nikki Wooster, Nini Nikki Camps, Wooster, Nini Camps. Yeah, it was a good, I, I had a nice, I had a nice yes. class and I was, uh, and, and, a lot and of talent Steve, in your class. yeah, it was a very talented class. And Steve Hogan, who was a, I guess he was a senior at that time. Yeah. I don't know. He, he sort of mm. took me in and. You know, he would call, he was like, oh, you're my, you're my protege. So I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what that means. But, and, you know, he sort of showed me around and introduced me to the upperclassmen. And yeah, it was, it was good. It was and good. And Julie and Jen in your class or your class? I can't remember. Julie they Smith were, and Jen Pierce. They were in They were Fred's in my class. class. Yeah. I'm yeah, they you. were in my class. And Jenny Fox. Jenny Fox was in my class as well. Class. Wow. Yeah. What a powerhouse it class. It was a really my gosh. great class. Excellent, really excellent great actors class. through and through. Yeah. 
My yeah. gosh. How was sophomore year going for you, Jason? This is probably right around when casting for the fall was, you know, was announced or something, or maybe it already had mm. been, you know, we probably auditioned that first week. And then, so I knew probably by this point, if I wasn't already rehearsing for bus stop, I knew I was going to do it. And so that yeah, was, you're a big swinging dick. You no, had two I, big roles right I was, off the bat. I, 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 I did. It was bizarre. It, it, it was cool. And it was weird. And it was like, oh, wow. You know, to, to be in two shows in a semester was unusual. So, um, but I loved the director of Bus Stop, Charlie Repoli, uh, you know, who oh, had he's a great. distinguished, yeah. cool. you know, Broadway career and is a great director yeah. and had been a, you know, a performer as well, an actor and a great singer, dancer. And, um, my, I loved, I, I loved doing Bus Stop with him. And I also loved, I remember the, my, my most distinct memories of that process were at the very beginning at the auditions. Uh, at the callbacks, I can't remember who else was called back for that role. Several of us were reading for Lyman and he, and Charlie was saying in the lobby of the West End Theater, he was like, why do you want to play this part? Why do you want, mm. why would you want to play this part? I remember him asking mm. that question and everybody question. had some, yeah. And everybody had a good kind of thoughtful, highfalutin answer. <laughs> and my answer was just like, it's, it's fun to play older people. It's fun to play people who aren't like me it's fun to play i was like because i had always played the old men in 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 high school and i always thought they were really interesting and and i remember him smiling at me he was like yeah it's fun and i was like i fucked that up and then, <laughs> and then he cast me um and then my other memory of that show was on closing night it was such a great part i, I mean yeah, go 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 read bust up if you're interested in the part i'm not going to go and talk about it at length but um you know this this uh older you know, alcoholic, depressed professor who takes a shine to this young waitress at the bus stop. Um, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a lovely character, but a sad character. And uh, mm. anyway, but the last night of the run, you know, it was a very short run, only a couple of weeks. Charlie came back to see it again after he had left and he brought Joel Gray with him. Joel Gray oh is a good, good friend of his. God. And I remember he was like, Joel Gray came to what? see the show today. He really enjoyed it. And he wants to come back and just say a quick hello. And he came oh. to the dressing room and he, he waved at everybody in the room and he looked at me and he gave me a thumbs up. And I was like, oh. I was like, wow. I was like, cabaret man. <laughs> wow. Cabaret man Jason. gave me a thumbs up. I was you very, just very... became a made man. Yeah. Joel Gray just made you. Uh, 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 and then everyone else looked at him and they said, why did you do that, Joel Gray? <laughs> why did you, why did you do that? No, nobody can touch you now, Jason, except Joel Gray. <laughs> well, that's the, the sad part of the story is then a few days later. Oh, boy. No, no I'm God cutting almighty. that. Uh, yes, you're right. <laughs> Only Joel Gray can touch me. That's it'll say it on my gravestone. Oh, um, <laughs> and I have a, I have a very distinct memory of seeing Goodfellas there while at Hofstra too. So let's anyway, we'll talk about our experiences watching the movie, right? So uh, yes. let's dive in. Goodfellas. Never ran on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hey mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I'd By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. Believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. <laughs> He's not Jewish. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. 
Based on Nicholas Pileggi's book, Wise Guy, Martin Scorsese's dynamic portrait of the ground-level, blue-collar members of New York's Italian mafia is as much about the intoxicating thrall of the mob lifestyle as it is about the rise and fall of its central figure, Henry Hill, played by Ray Liotta, who goes from petty criminal to underworld big shot to witness-protected informant. Also starring Robert De Niro, Lorraine Bracco, Paul Sorvino, and a blistering Joe Pesci, Goodfellas may only have taken in a box office of $47 million after a $6.4 million opening weekend, but it has earned a place of honor in the gangster film Pantheon, standing shoulder to shoulder with Francis Ford Coppola's classic The Godfather. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Goodfellas? You like it? You ever hear of it? First watch? <laughs> <laughs> This is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, it's, it's number yeah. one. It's numero uno. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's my favorite movie of all time. And wow. uh, I, I think it's, in my opinion, it's one of the best movies of all time. Like, I mean, you said it before. Yeah. You know, Raging Bull, best movie of the eighties. I mean, I've heard some people argue that. I don't know if I would agree, but it's up there. The Taxi Driver is the best movie of the seventies. I've heard that <laughs> in the conversation. But yeah, it's, it's, I've said this before, Scorsese is my favorite director. De Niro's always been my favorite actor. I mean, there's, you know, he's, he's faded off a little bit lately, but like he's still, he was the guy that made me want to do it. So he's always going to have a special place in my heart. Um, I would, I, I would say that this is arguably the most influential movie in the last 25 to 30 years. I mean, yeah. even going before the movie, I don't, I can't think of it. I mean, with you think about it without this movie, I was thinking about it. You don't have Tarantino. You don't have Paul Thomas Anderson. You don't have David O. Russell. There's I've got no. all those names written right here. Yeah, I said you Guy Ritchie. That, well, even this, like movies like Crank them. that we watched last episode, yeah. you don't have The Sopranos, don't have the Sopranos which Sopranos, arguably right. that changed the landscape, yeah. but that wouldn't be there if it weren't for Scorsese and this movie. I mean, Spike it, it, Lee is deeply Spike, influenced. I was going to say that too. Yeah. You, could, you could say that Spike Lee was influenced as well. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. he was, he sort of, you know, revered because they both went to NYU. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, just in, in its use of, of music, mm -hmm. of editing, we, we have to talk about Thelma Schoenmacher She's later. Amazing. because My God. Uh, the, just the, the narrative structure. Uh, it, it's just, I, I, I don't think there is a movie that has had as much influence as that. And for just when it came out, it was at such the sweet spot for me because <laughs> this was right at the time I was, and I know I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, you know, there was a point where I became the movie that really made me decide like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to be serious. It was Taxi Driver when I saw that. Mm. And th this guy, Bill Muir, who I've mentioned before, who I really looked up to, he introduced me to all these directors and great movies. And, and Scorsese was the big one because he was a huge Scorsese fan. And he mm. went to NYU and wanted to, you know, chase that Scorsese dream as well. So he introduced me to all those movies, Taxi Driver, Mean Streets, King of Comedy, all, you know, and, and I just was obsessed. And I would watch every De Niro movie I can get my hand on, every Scorsese movie. And I, you know, saw them all, New York, New York. Um, and I remember I had a book that I got at Barnes and Noble is called Scorsese on Scorsese. Yes, yeah. I and have it, it too. It, it was a thin, I, I'm yep. so annoyed that I don't have it anymore. And I looked it up on Amazon and you can get it, but it's selling for $900. Are you, Are you kidding? kidding me? Yeah, uh, like the, uh, this, the paperback. I had it in hardcover. Who knows? Wow, it might be that's some... probably even worth more, the hardcover. I have Maybe. a paperback sitting in my office at work. 
Don't break into my office, people, to get the 900. Don't do it. Is this the one, I remember, it's like a bluish tinged yes. cover and it's got yeah. a picture of Scorsese with the beard and the last temptation of Christ on the cover? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that, I read that book cover to cover so many times. Yeah. I couldn't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. And so when this movie came out, I was full, I mean, the summer before this, right? Like, I want to say in August, before I even started Hofstra, this was around the time when De Niro first started the Tribeca Grill. And my friends Josh and Jen Desidori, I think as a birthday present, Mm -hmm. took, and this is when Tribeca was still sort of like a wasteland. And the Tribeca (laughs) Grill was the first big thing. They brought me in to have lunch there, the Tribeca Grill, only because I just wanted to be anywhere that De Niro had a part of. And I remember I went up to go to the bathroom and I came back and there was a napkin that was like, you know, to Fred, big fan, love Bobby D. You know, they wrote it, obviously. I still have it to this day, though. Uh, uh. But so, you know, I was full into that De Niro Scorsese obsession. So when this movie came out, it was perfect because it was it was my first Scorsese De Niro movie that I could see in a theater. Mm-hmm. Because before this Scorsese, it was, what was his last, last Temptation of Christ, uh, After Hours, Oh, Color of Money. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd Color seen that, but this was my first Scorsese, De Niro, and it was a gangster movie. Which mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, this is it. So yeah, Josh and I saw it opening night. And I remember it, it was interesting. I was simultaneously blown away and also very confused because oh. it was, I was so excited. I was so excited. And you sort of hint this, I, we might disagree, but you hinted at this before, Dan, the last quarter of the movie it's a very different movie. becomes yes. something different. Now, yeah, after mm-hmm. Pesci uh, dies, it's a very different movie. Now, I love it, and we'll talk about that later, and yeah. I, I think it's still it's still brilliant. But when I first saw it, I, and I've read that test audiences were not happy with it either, and they walked mm-hmm. out because mm-hmm. it becomes something very different. Mm-hmm. You and start it, 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 feeling the way he's feeling, and yes. it's very frenetic, and it's very, uh, you know, the, yeah. the, the paranoid yeah. thing that you start feeling like you're on drugs. You feel like you're on yeah. a bad trip. You feel, and, trip. and that's what's, it's 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 bold. It's bold yeah. because it's a very demanding thing to ask of the audience to go on the trip with you, but the whole time you're you're um, identifying with Leota, so yeah, yeah. you're going to take the whole trip with him. Right. And, it's, and to uh, that yeah. end, I mean, I would, I don't want to, you know, tip the hat onto my, my, my top 10 list. Not only do I think this is the best gangster movie, I think it's also one of the best drug movies too, Mm -hmm. just for that sequence alone, you know? But so I was, I was so blown away. I was so overwhelmed, but like, wait, what? Cause you know, it's a dark fucking movie, Mm -hmm. you know? And it really, like you said, Jason, just makes you feel weird and huh? So I, then I saw it again and then I remember it came to came to Hofstra, played at the theater there. Yes. And yes. that was probably later that year or maybe it was the next, I can't remember. Uh, but I mm. remember going to see it because this is a movie that you are rewarded. I feel each mm. time you watch it. Yeah. And I remember we went to see it in the theater there and I went with Andy Wells and it might've been a few other people. I can't remember. And I'd seen it before, obviously a couple of times we saw the movie and afterwards, you know, they showed an early showing and a late showing we saw the early show and we walked out and Andy and I looked at each other and I was like, you want to see it again? Uh, I said, yeah. And we walked right back and we saw it again <laughs> twice in a row. Like awesome. it's that type of movie. So yeah, I love it. It's just, it's, it's the most exhilarating movie for me. I, I, you know, if, if, if I had a desert Island movie, this would be it just because mm. I, I was watching it last night again and Ben, 
I was begging Ben, my son, to watch it. Oh, he's and, never seen it? No. And yeah. he he knows it's my favorite movie and he <sighs> wants to watch it, but he wasn't in the mindset. He was yeah. like doing stuff on the Xbox. And I was yeah, like, dude, no, you, you know what? I'm like, watch this with me. I don't want you to half watch this, no, you know, you because you're not going right. to get it. We'll, we'll watch it later at another point. But at one point he just looked at me and I had my headphones on watching it. And he was like, why are you smiling? Right. You're smiling. And I was just like, this is great. I was, I was just having a great time That's how I was yesterday it. too. I remember I caught yeah. myself. I was like, man, I'm just, this is, none of this is pleasant, but it's brilliant. <laughs> A lot of it's very funny and I was, yeah. but it's so good. I was yeah. just grinning the whole time. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, I was like, this is such a strange, this feels like a strange reaction. But when you see anything that's great, right. Whether, whether, however, it's affecting you emotionally. Sometimes just the excellence of something will just put a smile on your face. So yeah. What was well, it like when you guys first saw it? Well, it was, uh, it was one of these weird things where I had, I, I feel like this was, if I'm not mistaken, Goodfellas had two or maybe three theatrical releases in 90. And then maybe, you know, like, like, because it had like a, I feel like it had a soft opening or something like that. And then, Probably. and nobody really saw it, you know, hmm. and then it kind of came and went and then they were like, oh, it has buzz. Let's put it back out into the mix. And then I feel like when the Oscar nods came out, that's when it went into wide release, right? Or something like that. I, I don't was, recall if I'm getting that exactly right, but I definitely did not see this in its first, the mm -hmm. first time it was released. It was the second or maybe the third go round that I finally went and saw it. And that for me triggered everything. I was yeah. like, I now need to go and find out everything I possibly can about this filmmaker and these and these people. Am I am I getting that sort of right that well, there were I'm multiple sure, well, releases well, if of something it? Something comes out in September and is not mm -hmm. a big moneymaker. It's gone by Halloween. You know what I mean? From the right. theater, it's not going to stick around just okay. because it, we think of it now as like, oh, it's such a classic. It must have played all the way through. Yeah, its nominations and stuff. No, it probably it didn't. It, it didn't. probably just ran. In, I saw it opening weekend. I think I saw it with Steve Hogan and maybe Jonas mm -hmm. was, I can't remember it, it, you know, and I, and forgive me, anybody listening, Steve, I'm pretty sure was with me and I maybe Al Pagano, maybe Jonas, maybe a lot mm -hmm. of the guys, you know, I, I can't remember. Maybe it was some of the people from bus stop, but I do remember seeing it in Hempstead or near Hofstra that opening weekend yeah. uh, and how it affected me. And the moment that stuck with me. And whenever I think of the movie and I think of like, Oh, when you first saw it, it's the spider moment. It's the spider killing spider. Oh, it's like, yeah. like tra tra traumatized me. F fuck me up. I was like, yeah. it's the thing that it was the most potent moment for me in, in retrospect in those first few days and weeks after seeing the movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, it must have then when it got all its nominations, I'm sure it had at least one other big release, probably in January or February, right before the okay. Oscars. Um, but it also probably, it might have opened, like you say, soft and then expanded. I don't know if it ever yeah. went away and came back, but it might have expanded to many more theaters, in which case it would have felt like a second release. Um, I think that that's it was something probably. like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it was something like that. And so, you know, uh, whatever it was, it, uh, it was one of those movies that for me was like a Star Wars or like an in, like a Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you kind of feel like. Your 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 suspension of disbelief is so your investment in your suspension of disbelief is so hmm. total is oh, so yeah. total 
and you're so immersed and and just completely, you know, 110 percent lifted out of your theater seat and mm. you're in the world of it. Like, that's the way I felt watching it. I was like, I, I forgot I was in a movie theater and I was mm. just so completely 100 percent absorbed. It was like a full absorption. And then at the end of it you're sort of wrung out, you know, yeah. like a wet rag and you kind of sit there and go, wow, wow, wow. And I, I know, I know that, you know, say of the flaw can say what he wants. I think the last 30 <laughs> minutes are very good, oh, you know, but, that, but you know, people do <laughs> knocking for a move. flaw to say. Exactly. That might be the flaw. But that's that because say of the flaw has always had a thing against Harry Nilsson songs. He's, <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not a fan of jumping to the fire, to which right. I scream to the rafters, Boo. Ah. Scream, boo. One of the greatest musical sequences ever. When Sayer the Flaw stirs the sauce, you know, it's he, he his sauce sticks a little and he was yeah. jealous of the brother. He doesn't slice the garlic. The garlic so thin. with a razor because he's blind. He can't That's see. That's the other moment, right? The, the razor slicing garlic is the oh, other God. thing I think of immediately. In fact, nowadays it's the first thing I think of with Goodfellas. I think of the close up of Paul Sorvino's oh, so yeah. sausage like fingers slicing, slicing that the... garlic with the razor. My God. So my good. favorite is the Billy Bat scene. Oh, yes, God, that's yeah. a great the, scene. The Billy Bat scene is my, like, that's the one that I, I just remember. It's similar to the spider one, just like the brutality, yeah, the brutality of it, but the music, like with Donovan playing and that, that slow motion shot of when Joe Pesci, you know, just building into it, that, that shot when Pesci, when I was watching it last night, I'm like, this is like a fucking horror movie oh, because, yeah. you know, you're introduced to Billy Bats and then it cuts to shocking. the end of the night and it's on De Niro and Billy Bats. And then in the back corner, Joe Pesci <laughs> yeah. shows up like fucking Michael Myers. It swings <laughs> yes. to Ray Liotta, who's immediately like, oh, fuck, it's happening. I don't think he realizes it's going to go as far as it does. No. Yeah. But then, you know, then the music kicks in. But that shot of when Pesci's like, I didn't mean to get blood on your floor, Henry. And it, it's just that slow motion shot of Ray Liotta looking like, what? Yeah. The, simultaneously, like, we're so fucked. This right. is so bad. He says it. He's like, this is bad. But also, like, that's what you're concerned with. Yeah. And it's like us. He's the, at that moment. He's the audience. That's yeah. to me. That's just like, oh, he's us throughout it because that's the intoxication really of the life. It's about yes. making us feel like, wait, it would be cool to be a gangster. All this. T I mean, uh, yeah. sorry, not to, to jump in, but the thing, the part, no. there's so many things I thought of last night watching it. But I thought what's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. Like the. It's like a hero's origin story when he when he gets, uh, you know, pinched selling the cigarettes and then he he mm. doesn't say anything. And De Niro's so proud of him. And he's like, no, I'm not upset with you. I'm proud of you. You didn't yeah. you kept your mouth shut. You did exactly yes. what you're supposed to. And then the door is open and you're looking up like it's like you've got Paul Sorvino yeah. of all people. Like you've got you Paul yeah, and he's standing there with all the guys. And they're, they're up there like the gods of Mount Olympus looking down like you did yes. great kid. And here's a party. It's a hero moment. It's like the yeah. end of a, it's, it's, it's the end of a movie about a kid who's done right. And it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like the end of scent of a woman or something, right? Where it's like, I didn't, I wouldn't rat him out. And so here's the big triumph. The school's happy for me. The, the old Italian actor's happy for me. And I'm, I'm a big winner. And that's I did the end the right of the movie. Thing. I did the yeah. right thing. I didn't rat out yeah. my friends. The end. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant because it feels like it's a triumph and you join in the triumph and you're like, yeah, and then you're hooked, like you're hooked in and then you're with story. him the whole way. You're yeah. with him the whole way. That kid is an unsung hero 
this movie, Christopher Cerrone or He's Christopher Cerrone. He's really, really good as the young um, Henry Hill. Um, you're absolutely right, Jason. And 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 then you have those scenes like the one you're talking about, Fred, that are so shocking for their day. They might not be as shocking now because because of um, so many movies that that have borrowed from that yeah. moment of like, and now there's a huge hyperviolent moment and somebody's dead and there's blood everywhere. You know what I mean? There's so many movies that that. That's their stock and trade now. It's not as shocking. But then it was deeply shocking, deeply disturbing, as was the whole Billy Bat sequence. But uh, I remember, you know, I saw this movie alone. I mentioned that before mm. all by oh, myself. Yeah. Oh, my God. What was that um, like? Yeah. I mean, it was and there were very, very few people in the theater. But the few people in the theater were uproarious, laughing like crazy at, you know, my fa- my favorite moment in the movie is. Did Tommy ever tell you about my painting? No. Look at this. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I like this one. The dog, one dog goes one way and the other dog goes the other way. Well, one is going east and the other one is going west. So what? And this guy's saying, what do you want from me? Everyone in that theater, all 10 of us or whatever, were crying, laughing for the next 10 minutes about that mm-hmm. gag that was so funny. That, that was the only moment that's actually scripted in the scene. The only thing that was scripted was and that's Nicholas Pileggi who wrote the book Wise mm-hmm. Guy. That's his mm-hmm. mom's painting. The only yes. thing that was scripted yeah. in that scene was Catherine Scorsese was to take that out and show yes. the painting. And show Everything the painting. else, the direction apparently was Marty Scorsese who's like, "You haven't seen your son in a while. <laughs> Welcome them." Which is so lovely too because you know, brilliant. like De Niro, like grew up with her. You know, she yes. knows De Niro and Pesci for decades. So yeah, since Mean it's, Streets it's, and everything. Yeah, else. it's yeah. so like sweet to watch. But yep. yeah, yeah, so yeah. I said, all right, I'll tell you something. Go fuck your mother. <laughs> now, were, were people in the audience laughing the Ray Liotta laugh? They were. <laughs> he's got, the, he's got no. the greatest laugh in all the movies. But he really does. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's a full mouth, full throated <laughs> laugh. Can't even do it. His the, laugh is more insane than anything Joe Pesci does. There's a point where, like, the yes. point that, that amazing, you know, the amazing, famous, uh, how am I funny scene, yeah. you know. Uh, the end so of good. that sequence, it starts... There's something about this movie where it kind of tips into the ends of certain sequences or scenes tip into kind of a garish funhouse kind of energy that's not, you know, it's not the drug induced stuff towards the end. But the end of that sequence is Ray Liotta's laughing again like like a maniac. Yeah. He's like yeah. got the devil in his eyes. You really right. are a funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, he leaps he at, leaps on he him. He leaps on him, and that's where it cuts. And it feels like yeah. if the if the scene had continued, you'd see Pesci come back with like part of Leota's neck in his mouth or something <laughs> like you know. But it would be like some crazy horror film. You'd be like, oh Jesus Christ, did he just eat part of his face? What's <laughs> happening? That's how crazy the end of that sequence was. What's the weird energy. is that so there, there is a scene uh, ex- where that exactly does happen, but in the movie Gone Fishing. With Joe Pesci and, <laughs> and it's Danny Glover's and, yeah, it's Danny and Glover's and he's neck. Like, he's, like, yeah. he's, he's like, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this fish. <laughs> and not to to jump. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you again, Dan. Yeah, but like right. that scene, it, it, I'm watching it again last night. I'm thinking it's so fucking brilliant on Scorsese's part, just the way it's filmed. And apparently that's all. That was Joe Pesci's idea because he that something like that happened to him when he, he was younger. He agreed to do the movie because he wanted based on, he wa- based on he, him wanting to do that conversation. He was like, "I'll do the movie if I can get this in there. If I can do something special." That's what yeah, he said. I wanted something that's right. special in there, and they're like, yeah. "Okay," and then and it they worked that. it out. But I'm funny. How? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. 
What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell the story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? The Amazing. reason it works so well, it's they're wide two shots. So Pesci's fucking amazing in it, but you're also seeing the reactions of everyone else. And not just Leota, you're seeing the other guys. That's right. And that just adds to it so much. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll, we can go through the individual actors, but Leota's yeah. a fucking revelation in this. He's fantastic. Oh, but that's he, what it's all about yeah. for Pesci, right? It's always yeah. reputation. It's always what the other guy thinks. And that's what tips him off. Somebody laughs at him. Somebody yes. looks in the wrong way. Somebody says, says, Oh, you got a good shot in there. You know, uh, uh to Christopher from the Sopranos. What is his yes, name? Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. it's the fact yeah. of somebody being like, Hey, good one. Oh yeah. Look at you. Look at you talking back to him. That's the thing. Yeah. Billy Bats too. He's so, you know, the shine box comment. Yeah, same thing. He's so, oh, a fucking he's shine so box. painfully yeah. insecure. And that sets that up so perfectly that you're like, yeah, the fact that you're laughing, that you're saying he's funny in front of other people could get you killed. We learn that later. It really could get you killed. Yes. It, it doesn't in that sequence, but you believe it. Yeah. I, I, Pesci's am, amazing in this. And I don't think I appreciated him as much when I was younger, as, as great as I thought he was. I thought I was like, I was like, that just must be him. He just must be that kind of guy. You know, <laughs> then you see him in things like the Irishman and other, you know, I mean, he's, right. he's, you know, that's obviously it's not, but it's so the portrait of a guy who is that blase about it, who can get triggered that badly and then yes. can, and then can hop right off it. And, and it can have the, the only moment of jokes. regret can be, yeah. I'm so sorry about your floor. That's the only time he shows any kind of remorse, when, right? When he shoots spider. Why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy? it's amazing it's really really chilling because none it's of them really he says bad. that in the beginning like no one you know him looking you know young henry looking down at all of them which is totally i mean scorsese's talked about this so often about how you know he was a young asthmatic and that's what he would do living yeah. you know in little italy he would sit up in his window and look down at everyone yes. else and like to me that shot that that's a young marty scorsese when young henry is looking down uh, in the no very question. beginning yeah no. seeing tootie and, and everybody down yeah. there that's young martin scorsese for sure and, he, and he's talking about how these guys you know they don't apologize for anything they don't take shit from anyone no. you know they don't they don't pay parking tickets so those guys that's their thing like yeah and Pesci murder was just de rigueur i mean it was just the the thing that they did in yeah. addition to you know the 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 gun running and the and the the cigarette hijacking the cigarette truck and this and that there was also murder it was just mm. ubiquitous mm -hmm. throughout the culture and yeah. it was simply accepted but then you see it you actually fully see it in a way that you don't really i mean you do in the godfather but not like this 
You know, that's one of the strengths of this movie is that it doesn't it is not glamorized, although you could it is appealing. Right. And and that's very different from what The Godfather is doing. It's sort of like the and Godfather is about the capo. Right. This is about sort of a a mid-level soldiers. Yeah, soldiers. Exactly. And and that's and his life and the fact that it is tempered, the moments of extreme violence are tempered with humor almost immediately after, you know, one of the great moments is, is when he storms across the street and smashes the guy in the, in the nose Bruce, a bunch of times. What do you want, fucko? Yeah. Fucko is used a lot in this movie. Do you yes, notice that? Is. A lot of uses of fucko. But then you see that, you see the horror of that and, and the blood and you hear that horrible sound of metal against bone again and again. And then the other guy goes, don't shoot. Got yeah. a huge laugh. Huge laugh. It's gotten a big laugh. The other guy going, I Don't love you. that scene. Yeah. And I read an interview with the cinematographer, Michael Ballhouse. He said that was the, one of the most terrifying and horrifying scenes he's ever shot wow. because it was, it's all one shot. Yes. It's in the day. It's in the, the light of day. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's like a different color palette too. It's, it's all like beautiful. bright greens and reds. The blossoms on the trees. Yeah, it's, a, it's idyllic. There's, yeah. the, there's the cherry blossoms. There's, mm-hmm. I noticed that the, it's the suburbs, the sounds of the, you hear sprinklers, you hear birds, you hear yeah. everything you would hear on a suburban street. It's yeah. like there's no other scene in the movie that sounds like that. You know, no, I mean, maybe right. scenes where he goes there to visit or uh, something. Else, but but that's the only stretch of s- basically silence where you can just listen to the sounds around <laughs> around you. And yeah. it's him in that frame, you know, like that that crazy look on Leota's face. He looks like oh, an God, animal yeah. in yeah. that brown leather jacket or whatever, kind of storming across the street. And the yeah. most gorgeous tree is behind him. Like you say, Fred, the greenest lawn. It's yeah. like this perfectly idyllic picture. And he's going to go and you think he's going to kill the guy. You know, I mean, right. that, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And there's no cut. And then he walks it's right just, back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walks right back. Gives her the gun. It's Get so rid of that moment movie. of the guy going, don't shoot. Big laugh. Big laugh. Um, and now I realize that's what I didn't like. And that's the reason I didn't give Karina Karina higher Sheila's because I kept thinking Ray is going to go across the street, <laughs> smash somebody in the nose, come back and give Karina Karina a gun and say, keep this, Whoopi Goldberg. I'll she be said, back. what are you talking about, fucko? Yeah. And then they would get into it. <laughs> I immediately say, told- That was a great scene, but don't call me Whoopi Goldberg. Her name's Karina. <laughs> <laughs> with the accent. Oh, please. You want yeah. it with the accent or without the accent? <laughs> Chantix. Um, the, uh, the, the thing I did after seeing this movie was immediately tell everyone you need to see this movie. Told my sister, told my friend Nick, told my cousins, told anyone who would listen. And, and then, you know, we, when it came out on, on video or on cable, watched it over and over and over again. And like I said, this continue, I guess it didn't start my love affair with Scorsese, but it it solidified it. It made me go back and go, okay, now I must see all of the missing pieces in the Scorsese, you know, uh, uh, pantheon. I went Mm -hmm. and rented, you know, who's that knocking on my door and mean streets and after hours, which I love. And, you know, I'd really only think I had seen raging bull and taxi driver and, and, and then Goodfellas. So I went back and watched everything. King of comedy, you know, it's not just you Murray last temptation. I don't think I've ever seen. It's not just you Murray. Hmm. I have seen Italian American, which is the, the, that's great. The the lovely little um, documentary about his parents parents who are both in this movie. I wrote a huge paper on Scorsese um, for, for uh, 
uh, uh, Lars Hedstrom, who co- who taught Com One. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Remember Dr. Hedstrom, and and he was a tough teacher. And I wrote this big, massive research paper on Scorsese. Again, like you read Scorsese on Scorsese, like it was candy, um, backwards and forwards. And then you know, and I was a film major, so I had. Wonderful Jerry Delamater and, and Sybil Delgaudio and, and Ruth Pergozzi and all my film professors. And I would sit for hours and talk with them about Scorsese and the indie film movement and all those guys coming up through that, you know, through New York and L.A. and and all of the game changing in the film industry that was happening at that time. Goodfellas is my second favorite movie of all time, right behind Psycho. So it's your favorite. It's my number two. But I mean, it's a close second. It could easily flip flop. And it's oddly enough, Desert my Island. second is the remake of Psycho by Gus Van Zandt starring Vince Vaughn. <laughs> please Weird. leave the podcast. Please leave New York and please leave Earth. Please get on the next, get, call Richard Branson and get on the next Virgin whatever. Get on the next Virgin. Pronto. I'm working on it, sir. The next one you see. I can't speak. The scene where everyone is introduced. I mean, all those great tracking shots mm-hmm. and you know the bamboo lounge the intro to the crew and then the, obviously the the, the, copa. the copa the copa um is amazing you know it's one of my favorite shots that i forgot every time i i watch i forget i'm like oh that's it that's my favorite shot in the whole movie and i always forget because it's always exciting it's when it's early in the movie when it's they're in the bamboo lounge and it's right when uh, uh, when Ray Liotta wants to talk to Jimmy Conway about the Air France heist. And it's this shot of Ray Liotta and he looks at Jimmy Conway and says, super fast, zoom mm-hmm. in to De Niro. Uh, yes. When yeah. he calls him to talk to Frenchie, yes. when you first meet French, and he's like, I'm the midnight day, I'm the midnight day man, I'm the yeah. commandant. It's that fast <laughs> shot yeah. into, into De Niro. Every time it happens, I'm like, yo, I just love it. Yeah, and it's, it's classic. You know, it's exciting. It, it's, it's exciting. I mean, the word you said in the beginning, Jason, is really exhilarating mm. the whole movie. And especially like to go back to what you were saying before, Dan, about, you know, feeling like you were immersed in it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that like it's it moves so f- I mean, we we're talking about crank and you were talking about how, you know, you don't like movies that are so like the editing is so fast and this and that. Right. This, I can't follow it. This moves so fast it's almost like you have to keep up with it. You know, you have, it's like it moves as fast as a person thinks. And so you're just going along with it and you're just going along for the ride. But I think what also helps, and you sort of hinted at this last episode, Jason, the narration, like this is probably the best use of narration in a movie ever. I can't, I can't think of a a, a better use of it. (laughs) How it's just, you know, you're taking it and then how it switches to Karen's, point of view. Yeah. Which I think yes. is, is sort of brilliant. Yeah, you forget about that. She narrates it too sometimes. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. I don't She's think I never so thought about good. that. Never thought about how there's another voice. Right? She, yeah. It's just the two of them. They're the only That's they're the it. only people in witness protection at the end. Right. So they're also talking yes. about it from the perspective of being in the program. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, great. it's great. She's um, brilliant. Oh, she's so good in this movie. She's so good. Yeah. And it's really like that Copa scene the tracking <laughs> shot, I mean, it's all through, like, we, at that point, we're her, we're Karen, we're, like you are saying, Jason, we're yeah. being seduced. Like, yeah. the brilliance of that scene, <laughs> I mean, there's so much, but it's, you know, you're going through the, I mean, that that's amazing. 
one that they're going through the back door. You know, it's very like just even the metaphor of that, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what these guys did. Yeah. Everything was through the back door, you know, to get the front row seats. And, but it's that idea <laughs> of just going through and, you know, building up and you're seeing this world through her eyes and you're being seduced by it. And then there's a 110 year old Henny Youngman at the end. <laughs> I know that's but, so funny. <laughs> Oh my God. God. Well, I love how he even says something like, oh, this is better. It's better to go this way. Like, it, 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 he doesn't even play into, like, the, yeah, I'm a big shot. He's kind of trying to play down in a weird yeah. way. He's trying to both yes. have, you know, have it, but he's she also doesn't know got, he's a gangster yet. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, but, but she does. When she says, when she says what do you yeah. do, oh, yeah. she knows. <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's that thing of how she keeps saying, like. I know there are women like my best friends who would have gotten out of there the minute their boyfriend gave them a gun to hide. But I didn't. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. He's got this beautiful moral strain that you know that that we don't really see anybody else have. And I, I think one of the most brilliant things is, and I don't know if I thought about it so explicitly before, is that moment where the guy comes up to the the front of the, the shop and he, yes. he's, his they hand shot is shot. Me. He's shot, shot in the hand, yeah. and, and the kid, young Henry, goes yeah. and gets the, those towels. And then he's told, like, oh, you wasted a, you know, he said eight, eight fucking aprons. Eight aprons. <laughs> he goes, he wraps up his hand. But then when, <laughs> then when Spider gets shot in the foot, he runs to him yes. and asks for towels. It's the exact same thing. Yes. And then when Spider's killed, yeah. he runs up to that. His strain <sighs> of empathy, that mm-hmm. his humanity is always there to the point where I always kind of assumed, of course, it's based on a real story. If it was not, maybe it would have been, you know, crafted so that that empathy is his downfall because empathy is not ultimately his downfall. Right. But but you mm. could see that that would be where it what would happen to that character, that it would be like mm-hmm. he would he would put himself in a situation to save a loved one or to help somebody. And that's how he would get uh, pinched. And that's <sighs> that's not how it goes. But I mean, that's it's just it's that callback in the spider scenes is beautiful. I'm also shocked how quickly I always imagined that the two spider scenes were so far apart from each other no, that it was a slower close. burn. But it's like yeah. there's like one scene in between them and then comes right back to it. it, it it's pretty incredible. Uh, the, the only other one thing I want to say about him and and it's not really about Leota. It's about the younger actor. What, what was his name again? Christopher Cerrone or Cerrone. Is uh, and and his uh, it's not so much about his empathy, but about that entry point is I never noticed this before that incredible extreme close up of his eyeball. Yeah. When he's first watching the gangsters, I think it's what you were talking about when you're saying that he's looking down at the guys at the cab stand. But uh, it's such a close, close shot on his eye. And it's a beautiful he's got like these beautiful pale blue eyes. And and you're just looking at that and you're saying like he's a child's wide eyes, like taking soaking everything in yeah. and how incredibly impressionable he is and how incredible something like that and that lifestyle would make an impression on a young person. It's great. It's just a great shot to choose to show his eye in extreme close up like that. And anyway. that's the idea. That's the idealized version of mm-hmm. the life. Right. And that's yeah. why you go, OK, well, you, you you look at some of these some movies and you go, well, this is the this is the um, um, the sort of idealized version. But then he is, you know, once he grows up, he sees the real you know, what it's really about. And I guess in that apron scene, you know, where the guys, that's his first taste of it. But you're, you're so right about the empathetic strain. I mean, even when Maury gets whacked, his concern is for Belle. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. and then Robert De Niro goes, what do you give a shit about her for? You know, and it's yeah. like, oh, God, oh, that, my God. That's a brilliant 
moment in the movie. That is Scorsese really fucks with us there in a way yes. that I did not remember. And the screenplay, every, everybody fucks with us there in a way I did not remember because at the table, because we're Leota's our narrator. He's our trusted narrator, yes. right? And yeah, he's yeah. guiding us. And he said, like, and he basically says, but he basically says, that's, you know, I, I, I knew it was, uh, I could relax. It wasn't going to happen that night. Right. And you see De Niro yeah. say, yeah, yeah, well, that thing, we're not going to do it tonight. And he says, I saved, basically he says, I saved his life. And then the next scene, he's not safe. You know, Maury's not safe. Maury's whack. And then all of a sudden, the whole movie, Leota loses control of it, right? Henry Hill is then losing control of the narrative, I think is what's so interesting. Because it's the first time that he says something as a fact or as that that then turns out to not be true. You know, that where it's like, oh, you don't know. You don't. You're not guiding this anymore. You're not in control of this anymore. I think it's That's brilliant. brilliant. Um, There's two two things I want to mm. just go back to to the beginning of the movie. Uh, one, the mention of well, what you just saying, Dan, just that like you know the idealization of it all. I, I mean, I think this is the greatest opening of a movie ever. And again, I think this <laughs> is this, just just the opening alone. You could cite as you know being this huge influence for movies. How you're starting in the middle of the movie, you have no idea what's going on. You know, they play it so natural in the beginning. Like, was it, did I hit something? It's very confusing. And then you see this unbelievably grotesque act of violence. I mean, so violent, they have to tint it red. Yeah. You know, they were going to give it an X rating. And so oh. if you notice, the, 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 the entire <sighs> film tints a bit red to cover the blood. Yeah. You know, it's right off the bat, she's violence, violence, violence. And then the first line from as far back as I can remember, <laughs> I always wanted to be a gangster. Bah, 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 bah. So it's like, they're saying right off the bat, what these people, this, this is reprehensible what they do, but isn't it great? And then it yeah. spends the first yeah. hour just showing, you know, just how wonderful this life is. And then it's the same thing at the end. When you get to the end, I mean, I got to live the rest of my life like a schnook. He's so, he's got this nice ideal life and he hates it. And the last shot is again, a shot of violence. And I just think that's mm-hmm. such a great dichotomy. What Scorsese plays with. Um, and the other thing in the beginning you know, you're talking about like the wide eyes. And I was thinking about this. I watched the movie about a month ago and it was the first time that I really noticed it. And it's, it's especially, you know, cause he does all those freeze frames, yeah. Scorsese. Mm-hmm. And he's talked about how he does that because, you know, there are important moments in his life, but also, especially in the early when he went with young Henry or Hendry as the young Tommy calls him, which I never Henry. understood. Hendry, yeah. what does that mean? Uh, anyway, <laughs> like, especially never more so in the scene where he's blowing up the cars, he's pouring the gasoline, <laughs> yeah. right? And then he runs and they explode and his hands are up in the air and it freezes. And he's talking about, you know, how the kids carried the groceries for his mom. Yes. Why? Because it was out of respect. respect. But that image, it's like an image it's like an old black and white shot of like kids playing in the sprinklers in Bensonhurst. Mm-hmm. It's such like I'm looking at it. This is about a month ago and I'm watching it. It's like this <laughs> summertime shot of like childhood, childhood, you know, it's in like Brooklyn. Fireworks, I'm like, but yeah, yeah, that joy. Right. And yeah. all of those freeze frames in the beginning, that's what it's like. Thelma Schoenmacher yeah. is, I don't know if you, if there's a better editor working. And I mean, the stuff between her and, and because she's done all of Scorsese's movies yeah. and she's, she's right up to the Irishman. Is she still with us? Did she do the Irishman? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm 
pretty, pretty I think, certain. I think you're right. I just was and curious. because Did she win the Oscar for this? I know she won for Raging Bull. And to this day, she's like, he, Marty should have won because mm. he was in there because they do all their editing <laughs> together. <laughs> But I mean, the editing in this movie is just—it's—it's it's unparalleled. Um, we got to talk about De Niro won. because this is next to Midnight Run. This is my second. This is my second favorite De Niro performance ever. Wow! I love. I love his Jimmy Conway. I love. Uh, and you know, I was. I, I was put thinking, Rocky and Bullwinkle in between those two. <laughs> I'd agree with you there. Um, I have one thing there. to say about, and I and I love him in this, and I love okay, him in talk general. To me. He, he seems like he's faking crying in a really weird, way. bad acting yes. way. Yes. I don't. He doesn't look like he's actually crying. It looks like oh, he's I get just very like, moved by that. I, I, I didn't. It and maybe it has in the pay. I don't remember always feeling that way. But I was watching and I was like, is he for the for the greatest like actor of all time? Like, is he crying or is he just like? I'm going to cry now. I'm going to make the noise and then do the face. And I think he's brilliant and beautiful. So I just, yeah. I, there's something no, about I get it. it. That, that, and it might just be sometimes when a person really cries and the noises they make or whatever, it, it, you know what I mean? It, it that's doesn't, what I it think it weird, is. You know, and I think it's it. his choice of how the character cries because maybe he's choosing how Jimmy Conway <laughs> does everything from pouring ketchup <laughs> to right. walking the down ketchup. the street and everything in between. Damn, so that's it, it great. may that be that that is his that is his literal choice of <laughs> like, well, this brilliant. is how this yeah. guy's going to express sadness. He famously called Henry Hill several times a day. Yeah. And he, I mean, that's the brilliance of this performance when you, I mean, I think it's great anyway. And but I'm sure that know, wasn't annoying for Henry Hill. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who else was going to call Henry Hill? He's in witness protection. He probably loved Tell him. Tell me about how Jimmy Conway put his slippers on. Please stop calling me. It's 3 a.m. I'm still in witness protection. You're not even supposed to have his number. <laughs> but apparently he was. He would be like, how does he hold his shot glass? How does he hold his cigarette? Uh -huh. right. The ketchup well, thing. That was something yes, that Henry Hill said. Like He's this. like, what? That is so, pretty great. Yeah, that is great. Yeah, that's cool. That's you know what's funny too that I was thinking about. You <laughs> it know, just took now me out for a second. No, I, like, I, oh. I I get you, and I can <laughs> see why you would think that. And and I always, it is, it's an extreme. I always just thought it was like because he was he. This is a guy who doesn't know how to cry, mm -hmm. who doesn't know how to do like right. Jimmy Conway right. does it. Yeah, and, you know, and he's not used to it. This isn't something like Jimmy Conway's never cried over someone being shot or murdered before. Yeah, yeah. but this is you know his protege, this kid that he's known all his life, his friend. And also it was his ticket in, you know, yes. like this is the guy, like if he's, if he's a made man, they're all made men. But I so just, it's, so it's sort of an impotent cry that then culminates in the, in an act on yet another act of violence, him of destroying violence. a phone booth. That's right, how which I always took it. I, I, I was always very moved by it. Hmm, but yeah. what, what struck me too was I was thinking this was really the movie. Like now, like, like Christopher Walken or Pacino, like De Niro impersonations have become ubiquitous. And everyone's doing the, <laughs> with the meltdown. No one really did De Niro impersonations at this point. This. And, and to me, the moment, and again, this is when I was watching about a month ago, it dawned to me, the uh, uh, Alec Baldwin's impersonation on the Joe Pesci, the Joe Pesci show, you know, cause we were talking about yes. Jim Brewer. Yes. When we Jim did the Brewer. episode, Jim Brewer used to do the Joe Pesci show. And that for me, <laughs> Alec Baldwin played De Niro in that. And all he did, if you remember in that scene, all he did was just go a little bit, a little bit. Insult him. He just said that line. That was all he said in the whole sketch. Or he might've yes, said you're right. on the, it was only lines no, 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 no. 
from Goodfellas. <laughs> and I remember at the time, Ridiculous. I was like, holy, it was a revelation because no one did De Niro. But I feel yeah. like this is where that all sort of started. I don't think he veers into that, the you know, that sort of campy De Niro that you get later when he does like We're No Angels and when he starts <laughs> to, to go into those more comedic, campy performances. But yeah. to me, his Jimmy Conway is just... It's right. Again, maybe because it's in the sweet spot for me because this was, you know, this was the first movie where I was like, oh, I'm going to see him on the big screen. And this is my first new, you know, big De Niro movie. But like that first shot where you first meet him and just his arc. He, he's Jimmy the Gent. He's Jimmy the Gent. Yeah. You love him. And then by the end, you're like, what a it, fucking it pathetic weasel. Fascinating how weasel of a man. Takes yeah. Because because Pesci is so outsized and so off the chain that that. De Niro seems moderate, seems much more yeah. like yeah, like-minded with a He's Leo also in the background a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But when he joins in, in the stomping of, of uh, Billy yes. Bats, then you're like, whoa, whoa. That's a, you don't expect, I didn't expect De Niro Conway to, to, to join in with such a fervor in that beating. And that's yeah. the first time you're like, wow, wow. And then- from that point on, then the darkness of that character and the and oh. the how he's crazy in his own right is yeah. uh, is really clear. And, he'll uh, kill off everyone. You know, he's so yeah. fucking paranoid. He's murderous as well. You it's don't see so, those acts, but he's doing it. Yeah, he's ordering all of those hits. He never yeah. pays Maury ever. <laughs> he no. doesn't want to pay any of those guys. He gets frustrated with them and kills them all. I was watching it last night and I thought, man, was was Clapton upset? Ever that like because all I think if I hear Layla I think of that car I think of the kids walking up oh, to yeah. that car and those bodies in the car yeah. that's all I yeah and I don't want to think of anything else and I think it's beautiful it feels like it was the mu it feels like the music was written for the movie and that moment that's how brilliant the choices of music are is that it feels like it was a, an original score you know it feels like yeah. an original soundtrack I feel like someone said that like I read or I heard in an interview where someone was like. It was like Scorsese was waiting his entire life to use that song. Like the moment he heard it, he's like, this is going to be in a movie. And it was like Clapton wrote it, you know, not knowing when he wrote that, you know, they finished the song and he's like, you know, he's in Derek and the Dominoes at the time. And it's like, you know, you know, listen, Lance, we've got to do one. We've got to do sort of like an epilogue or a code to the song because one day I'm feeling it might be using this epic movie. And by the way, don't take vaccinations because they're stupid. Yeah. Oh God! You can put microchip in your brain. Yeah, but in that scene, and I, and I was reading in this interview with Michael Ballhouse and Thelma Schumacher that I heard. They played the music while they were filming it, especially the scene Ooh. when they opened the truck, because Neat. they want, because Scorsese had it timed in his head just perfectly. I love it. Okay. And the doors open right when, yeah. the, when that chord hits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I you, love you that. bring up something interesting there, you know, just the fact that he's leaving those bodies all around town to be found. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. He's not burying, burying, putting them in a hole with lime and letting them, you know, sort of yeah. rot away to nothing. He's, he's, he's positioning them around town, Jimmy Conway is to be found. I think it's another window into his 
you know, into his <laughs> warped psyche there. Because it's almost like he's taking over for Pesci at that point. Yes, you know, yes, he's becoming yes. the new, he's absorbed his <laughs> yes. almost psychopathness. Yes. But, but he's, and he's no longer. Do you get the impression that those guys are protecting Henry from because Henry never kills. He never kills a, yeah. anyone mm. in this movie. Do and that's the thing like where he knows at the end. It. He's yeah. like, I, I know. Right. I, that's when I knew Jimmy was going to whack me because he's never asked me, me to, to exactly. go on a hit to whack anybody before. Right. Yeah. No one has ever. Paulie hasn't asked him. No one has ever asked no. Henry to do a hit. Whereas, again, it, it's it's you know, it, it's it seems like they're. He's like the precious child yes. of this weird yeah, family maybe. that they have to protect from the, the golden super boy. violent yeah. things, right? Yeah, yeah, the golden boy of the family, exactly. And he's not, and he's different, and we need to somehow protect him. And then, um, you know, obviously, I mean, I do get the impression that De Niro is going to have him whacked. I mean, you trust oh, Henry enough yeah. by that yeah. point, no question. And you kind of go, oh man, it's like his his. Other, his father figure is going to have him killed. Kate and I were watching it last night, and she, she loves it too. She loves, oh, loves, good. loves it. But uh, we we're watching, and and I always felt, and I think it's, it feels obvious now. Talking about it in retrospect, I'm like, yes, of course, that's what's happening. But she was like, is it or is it paranoia? Mm. Do you think when Jimmy tells uh, uh, Karen mm-hmm. to to go and get the the yeah. dresses for her her mom? Yeah, down there, down there. Do you think he's really sending her to get killed? Or do you think she's just, her spider sense is tingling and she's like, I just have a bad feeling about all of it. Because who's going to, how how does that get arranged, you know? Like, Uh, go down there. And what is the upshot of it? What's the upshot of it? Exactly. Send him to me, yeah. Exactly. He says her 45 times in the scene, you know, I need to talk to to him. You have to tell him. No, I think, the more I think about it, what do you I think? think? I think yes, because I always thought that. And then last night I was questioning it because Kate and I were because like, the line mm. you mentioned before. Do you think more? How much do you think Maury tells his wife? Yeah, I know. I know. Karen is is someone who could bring Jimmy down. It does Henry just like Maury. He was worried. Does Maury talk to his wife? Does he tell him things? Does Henry talk to his wife? Karen knows all this stuff. Right, right. Karen's involved the- in the drugs. So, yes, yeah. I think if he could kill her, he would. I guess, I guess so. That's, that's how I always felt. I thought it was so, I always felt it was so obvious. And then Kate was like, is that what's happening? Because look, where's he sending her? And he's not going to do it. Is somebody waiting to do this? How, yeah. how reliable is that? You know, it, 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 and, yeah. and it, it did seem, and then she did some Googling and she was like, Everything she found is, you know, because you look, we're looking for an answer. Like, is that the intention? Yes. Is that the intention? Everything she could find says it's, ambiguous and it's meant to be yep. left ambiguous and i think yeah. it's again that's it's where the i putting stand us, on it. if 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 we have two narrators right and we have yeah. leota and and uh uh Bracco, and they're both being corrupted as time goes on like leota becomes an unreliable narrator he thinks things are going one way and then we see them go another it's like we can't mm-hmm. listen to you anymore you you're, <laughs> out of, you're both out of control of the situation and that her paranoia is our paranoia somehow yes. and that maybe we're like Oh my God. Oh my God. The same way. Sure. If, if somebody says, yeah, just go over there and uh, this guy will meet you on the corner. If any of us was doing that, I'd be like, this doesn't seem right. I'm going to, I just have to leave. I, I got to go. I have a bad yeah. feeling. I don't know why I've got the heebie jeebies, but I do. And yeah. I'm getting in my car. You know, some guys are working here in the dark. View. It's her point yeah. of view. And yeah. that maybe, it, you know, I, again, it's interesting. Again, she, she Googled it and didn't find anything 
to support that it was one or the other. But yeah. I've always felt, oh, yeah, he's absolutely going to whack her. And, and everything you're saying, Fred, uh, exactly. All the stuff Supported. he says about Maury's yeah. wife, it feels like it's so obvious. But at the same time, is it not counter? Does it not go against what he's asking her to do for him and getting Henry to to, to contact him? So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. I still am not sure. And I think that's how we're supposed to. I think, I think you're supposed right. To be I unsure. think that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I like the ambiguity there and this, those sort of shadowy, burly figures in the distance yeah. who just sort of like put just boxes work down and yeah. then turn to her. It's very chilling. But the look on De Niro's face when she doesn't. Go yeah. and she gets in the car. He does look foiled. It's he it's does. No, 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 no. He goes, no, 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 no. Right <laughs> yeah, in there. Right yeah. in there. Yeah. Like it's uh, like you need to go in there. It's very so it's great. very, very chilling. <laughs> um, we need to talk about the food in this movie. All I want to do is eat lasagna and sausage and peppers and gavadil <laughs> oh, and Fantugajuj and Valabalige and Gavajuj. <laughs> That's all I want to do. This was my first argument. Not my, like I had many others, but I remember I had an argument with Dr. Mason who we've spoken about uh, because I, oh. I had heard rumor that he did not like this movie because right. he said, right. well, well, Dr. Mason, if you've never yep. listened to any of our episodes, he was a beloved professor of ours at Hofstra, yeah. but he apparently was like, oh, the, all this movie is, is they eat and they kill people and they eat some more. <laughs> That's being <laughs> Italian, Dr. Mason. <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> Welcome to being Italian. <laughs> but, but I think that's what, you know, and the Godfather has some great moments with that as well, oh, you know, yeah. with Clemenza making the oh, yeah. sauce, but I love it. Yeah, you two know, scenes of making the sauce. It's great. Yes. But that's, that's what's so great about this movie is just showing like the minutia the every day you know like this when, is just what we do when Paulie yes. is sitting there at the beginning when they're frying the sausage and he's sitting there with the roll and eating eat, on the and Italian bread oh. eating the sausage and they're all sitting there eating I was like I've mm. seen my uncles, my cousin. I've been in backyards, <laughs> and that's how you eat. Like it's your, like it's your job. You're eating there, and you're like concentrating. Like it's so fucking delicious that sausage. Like Kate was watching every time the food came. She's like, "This is your love language." She said, "This is all yes. of this because it's so." Del-. Every time she's like, "Oh my god, it's making me so hungry," and it's all the stuff. I love to eat. I love to cook. It's what I've gotten her to eat. She never ate sausage in her life. Put these <laughs> things in order, Jason. A this movie be a nice soprasat. Soprasat is number one. It beats everything. <laughs> soprasat and a good cup of coffee beats everything on earth. And movies are my favorite thing in the world. You give me a nice soprasat sandwich on, on a good crusty, <laughs> a like cup of a good crusty. Yes. Oh, Maron, of course. Coffee, little milk. A little sugar. You might even dunk that if you have to. If the bread's too, oh. you, uh, but you got no. You have that. Yeah, nice sobrasat sandwich. Sobrasat no, I coffee. don't. My grandmother does that. But <laughs> eat the sobrasat sandwich on a nice hard roll. Mm, but it's soft. The bread's soft, but that cr- crispy. Ah, oh, the crust is so good. And then you have a nice cup of coffee. Mm, so good. But, but what about a nice fresh piece of mozzarella? Absolutely. But that's separate. You don't ruin your sobrasat sandwich. You just need the meat and the bread. Perfect. A little bit of olive oil. A little okay. bit of pepper. And then where do you put Lorraine Bracco's performance on the list? So, so <laughs> sobrasat is number one. Two oh is God. the movie Goodfellas. Three, a nice piece of mozzarella. Mozzarella. Four, Lorraine Bracco. Pesci. No, <laughs> Lorraine Bracco's lower. You gotta, <laughs> I will say, though... I mean, I love. No, God, the performance. I like are also a nice manigault. Paul, Paul Sorvino was was more 
impressive. Like, he's like, sort of the unsung hero he really of the movie, is. I think. And I remember when I was younger, I used to see the poster and it'd be like the four of them. And I'd be like, oh, what's Paul Sorvino doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> I was so like, good. it's really those three guys. It's not him. Yeah. But of course, it's a brilliant yeah, brilliant performance and heartbreaking in, in the end. You yeah. know, when oh, he that says, last he gives him that money and he says, oh, I, gotta I gotta turn my back, back on you. I gotta turn my back on you. It's so fucking good. He's 3,200 bucks this. for a lifetime. Yeah. Well, and and the, he tells a very famous story about how he turned down the role because right. he couldn't get it. He, yeah. couldn't, he couldn't absorb get it. it. He just didn't, it was too far of a reach for him. And he Isn't saw his amazing? face in a mirror one day after like a bad day or some shit went wrong. He was just in a shitty mood and he caught a look at himself in the mirror and he was like, God. That's the face. That's the yeah. guy. He saw the guy in his own reflection. I Another one of that. my favorite scenes is when um, so it's good. him and uh, what's his name? The guy who owns the who, who runs the bamboo lounge. Oh, he's terrific. And, I don't know what I don't know nothing about the restaurant business. Nothing. All I know is to sit down and order a meal. I don't know how to make a restaurant. No, uh, not for you. It's just a place to hang. You know, I mean, the chef is great. You got to the fucking shows are good. It's a lot of who is coming in here all the time. I like to help you out. Look, what, what do you want from me? What am I going to do? Tommy's a bad kid. He's a bad seed. What am I supposed to do? Shoot him? Uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea. The look he on gives him after that. face. And that, and apparently I was reading that, like, so that was great. a very, you know, uh, a strictly scripted scene. And mm. Scorsese told that actor who plays, what, what is his name? I know. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. He's so good. He gets the champagne bottle in the head. Yes. Joe Pesci. Uh, uh, yes. But um, he, you know, Scorsese told him, he's like, just improvise, like make shit up, just go yeah. off. And it really <laughs> threw Sorvino off. And it's great. You sort of see, that's great. That's a great shot of Sorvino. And also I love that shot shot of Henry of when, you know, he's like, hey, you, you know, about this place. And there's just this, that shot of Henry sort of like shrugging. And it's also heartbreaking because, you know, you're like, no, don't give it. Don't have right. the gangster take over. Yeah. Like you're fucked. Like he's going to them for it protection. Just, and you're like, not nah, that's it. You just lost your club. It just, yeah, it just bleeds it dry yeah. and then leaves the carcass on the side. It's uh, Tony Darrow. Tony is the name Darrow. Of Tony Darrow. So, he's great in everything, so. but oh, he's so good in this. I, always loved that last shot. I loved how it starts off with an act of violence and it's the line, this is the life that I wanted. And right. then it ends with him saying, I miss that life. And it's that act of violence of mm -hmm. Joe Pesci shooting in the camera. Yeah. And I never realized that that's, that shot is a direct homage to the great train robbery. <laughs> yes. Did you yeah. know that, Dan? Is that something you were aware I of? Did, what that yeah, was I, an homage to? Yes, yeah. I did know that because um, that's one of the first, that is a silent film that is one of the first ever films you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's it's like when people went to go see the, uh, you know, the kinetoscope or the cinematograph <laughs> yeah. or whatever they would call it back then. Yeah. It was yeah. like, you know, it was one of those films that people were like, oh, my God, is there a train actually coming at the camera? You know, right, like it was right, so right, right. early that people didn't know what they were doing. So that was very bold to have a person aiming a gun at you, at the audience, sitting there and pulling the trigger. And that was wow. sort of the thrill. I mean, imagine the thrill of that, you know, mm -hmm. of sitting there and seeing that, you know, back in 19, you know, whenever it was, 1904, yeah. or whenever the hell that would have been. We're going to, in essence, say to you, the audience, um, come on this ride for us. Yes, it's going to be murderous criminals, but you're going to have fun. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. what Shakespeare was doing with Richard III. Same thing. Yes. It's saying, follow the story of these people who are who are completely opposite from you. They're violent and you're going to have fun along this train ride with them. Yeah. Okay. It's either that or a rocket to the moon. Those are your choices <laughs> right. or, or, or Valentino, you know, having a big yeah. romance or something like that. Wow. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like those were, it was thrilling.
it was thrilling. And then Scorsese is saying, all right, well, hundred odd years later, we're going to make the same or 90, whatever years later, we're yeah. going to make the same sort of point, but in a, in a, in a modern context of, wasn't that a good time? Tell me where you've been. I haven't seen you. I haven't even, you haven't even called or anything. Where have you been? Well, no, I've been working nights. And? Um, well, tonight we were out late. We took a ride on the, out to the country and we hit one of those deers. I told you, well, the blood came from, I told you. Jimmy told you before, I want to say. Anyway, you know what reminds me? I need this knife. I'm going to take this. It's okay? Okay, yeah. I just need it for Bring a while. it back, though, you know. Well, the poor thing, you know, we got... I hit him and his... Uh, we hit the deer and his paw... What do you call it? The paw. The, the paw. paw the, foot. What do you call the it? The hoof. The hoof got caught in the grill. Oh. I got I to gotta hack it off. Ooh. Come on, it's a sin. You're going to leave it there, you know. So, anyway, I'll, I'll bring your knife back after I do that. Anyway. Delicious. Delicious. Thank you. Why don't you get yourself a nice girl? I get, get a nice one almost every night, ma. Yeah, but get yourself a girl so you could settle down. That's what I, I mean. I settle down almost every night, but then in the morning I'm free. I love you. I want to be, be with you. And then, you know, Maury. Don't buy wigs that come off at the wrong time. Maury's wigs don't come off. Even underwater. Oh, Maury. <laughs> oh, my. Maury's wigs? God. Don't come off. Chuck the ads are so good. Who I don't think he had done any other acting. But prior to this, if I remember oh, the story, really? right? I don't know that he had. He, I think I think Scorsese found him and was like, "You're Maury." If if I remember, uh, it's brilliant. The story correctly. Oh, he's so, he's so so terrific. That whole storyline, the Maury storyline, I think elicited some of the biggest laughs. You know, and still do. This <laughs> yeah. the biggest laughs. It kills night. me when De Niro comes behind him. He's like, I want the, I want it today. When he's choking him and the wig comes off the and Leota's just off. laughing. He's, he's laughing yes. hysterically. See, that's true. There's, oh I talked about God. that strain of empathy, but there's also the strain of, cr- of cruelty, of like finding yeah. it funny. Like he does, yeah. the, he does that uh, several times. He yeah. laughs, whether it's out of discomfort or because he doesn't think it's going to go too far. It's just like, you know what I mean? That, that bullying is, yes. is there's something about it that, you know, obviously he, he's complicit. He's, com- he's, he's complicit. In. Yeah. Uh, he's so in it, but yeah, that laughter is so striking when he uh, finds those acts of violence and cruelty funny. And then by the same token, he can be the same guy who's like, Oh my God, get me a towel. <laughs> you know, right. you shot this right. kid in the foot. The empathetic so, guy. But it's we right, would it's we right. would quote the Maury lines as as you know high school seniors more probably more than any of the other lines. Hey, what am I a <laughs> schmuck on wheels? We would say that all the fucking all the freaking time. We Fuck him in the ear. Fuck him in the other ear. Yeah, we would say we would say that. We would also say uh, 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 oh, what's his other big one? It's poison in my eyes. It's poison in my eyes. <laughs> we would say that all the time. Like we were constantly quoting Maury lines, and I have no idea why. Uh, he was De Niro's real estate consultant and landlord, according to Wikipedia. No. <laughs> but he did have small roles in other De Niro films: The Mission, King of Comedy, which I he's don't in remember King of him in. Okay, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. And he's Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America. So yes. I think De Niro would be like, yeah, you need to put Chuck in this, you know, in any to any of. His his filmmakers. He's in a really funny scene in the King of Comedy. He's in, the, and I've always wondered Which about this. There's a scene where De Niro's character Rupert Pupkin takes the girl out. They go for dinner, mm-hmm. and he's trying. He's talking about his uh, his signature, and he's like, "The messier the name, the bigger the fame." And in the background, that actor, he's in the background watching Rupert and like imitating what he's doing. It's almost like he's stalking Rupert. After Goodfellas, the King of Comedy is my favorite Scorsese, actually. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always loved that movie as well. It's a wonderful movie. I I think my second favorite, boy, I mean, Raging Bull's got to be up there. Um, I liked 
the Irishman. I like The Departed. I like Aviator. But I don't know. There's a excuse me. There's a really special um, place in my heart for Last Temptation of Christ. I love that movie. I've never seen so it so much. Oh, Jason, yeah, you, 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 it's a good one. I need yeah. I need to give that a rewatch. But yeah, I, it I is, enjoyed it. It is too. great. And one and one of the greatest things about it is that the apostles all sound like it's Harvey Keitel. It's all, it's Mm -hmm. like the cast of Goodfellas was put in, you know, it's like everybody from that bamboo lounge scene where they were like, okay, you're going to be Paul and you're going to be Saul and you're going to be this one, Thomas. I remember Keitel was like, you're you're a carpenter. You're a carpenter. What are you doing? I was like, whoa. (laughs) You're a carpenter over here. Get out of here with the carpenting. (laughs) Shut up your face. What yeah, do you think? Yeah. Can we, I mean, Let's is there more? Can we Sheila this I up? Think I think we Sheila can this. Sheila uh, it up. It's, it's, it's. I think uh, we know. I, yeah. Yeah. We stand. I don't really know how, how I can go any. I mean, if there, if we were allowed to go higher than 10, I'll go higher than 10. But if we're not, it's 10 all the way. It's a 10 yeah. plus, 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 plus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I you agree. can say whatever you want. But yeah. It's, it's 10. It's absolutely a 10. It's absolutely a 10. But yeah, you can go as high as the sky. It's your favorite. Wait, no. It's your second favorite movie. And it's your. This is my favorite movie. Favorite. This is my number one. That's amazing. Number one of all time. You know, it's yeah. funny. It's in my top 10. Mm-hmm. And then I think about it. And I think. And what's interesting. We're going to talk about this movie more in a couple of weeks, actually. Uh, my number two favorite movie is Boogie Nights, which is really this mm-hmm. movie. It's this. <laughs> it kind of it's is. So, I mean, it's it kind so, of you know, is. The, 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 the lure, you know, a young person's. That might be uh, my the, number two as well. The allure <laughs> of, a, of a decadent lifestyle. And then, you know, there's all the, the great things that come with it. And then it all goes, goes to hell and the, he yeah. gets taken in by drugs. It's really, yeah. it's really that, fantastic. That whole movie but, is an homage to Scorsese. Every, and, yeah. and, but, but. Beautifully done, yes. you know. It's it's yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. But anyway, ten, ten, yeah. tens. Yeah, yeah. Try Perfect. ten. Another try ten. ten. Should I start the pendulum? Go for it. Start the pendulum. Should I leave my pants up or down for the pendulum? Oh, not that pendulum. Whatever you think is best. <laughs> that, was, you're, that was as good as De Niro crying. That was good. <laughs> what are you doing, Jimmy? I'm pants, pants down around his ankles. <laughs> Why are you knocking over that phone booth? <laughs> My number 10, I this may be on one of your lists, Michael Mann's Heat. This is one of those uh, movies. Yep. This is an epic crime saga. De Niro and Pacino together. Um, yeah. That scene of them in the diner is one of the most, I think, iconic scenes in movies. Absolutely. Uh, and just the 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 acting class that that little scene is. And, and until the end of the movie, that's their only scene together. I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best, trying to stop guys like me. So you never wanted a regular type life? The fuck is that? Barbecues and ball games? Yeah. This regular type life, that your life? My life? No, my life. No, my life's a disaster zone. You're kind of rooting for De Niro. 
You're, you're, yeah. you're, you you mm. know that he's a good hearted guy deep down and he wants us to be the last job, the last stand. He just didn't want to go back to jail. Um, and right. I love that. You get a great Val Kilmer performance. You get a great Ashley Judd performance out of it. Oh, right. um, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's epic. You're going to you settle in for three hours of, of yeah, epic sweep to it. Long, so yeah. a lot of fun. I love heat. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Freddie? What's your 10? Uh, I'm going to, I, I got to do a tie. I couldn't think I, I was, I love them both. And I was like, I can't leave them. Mm-hmm. I can't drop Is there one. An episode so I'll just of Freaks them. and Geeks where they yes. commit a crime. <laughs> yes. And I'll do them quick. I said, I can't drop one. Oddly enough, one of the movies is called The Drop. It's a great Ooh. movie. Uh, Michael Roscombe directed it. Tom Hardy's in it. James Gandolfini, my good buddy, Michael Aronoff oh, wow. is in it. It's a great, great little movie that sort of came and went. Cool. Highly recommend checking it out. Tom Hardy's fantastic in it. James Gandolfini plays sort of a, a gangster way past his prime. My buddy Mike Aronoff plays a terrifying Chechen gangster. It's, I don't want to say too much about it because it would give it away, but it's, it's a, it's a lovely, it's a great, it's a great movie. Um, Mm. and the one that that's tied with is Sexy Beast. Uh, directed never by Jonathan Glazer with the amazing, if nothing else, just for Ben Kingsley's performance yeah. as Don Logan. No, Don. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. I can't. You can. I can't. That can't. Don't, don't do this. As far as the actual job's concerned, it's a piece of piss. A monkey could do it. That's what I thought of you. Uh, Ray Winston's in it. Ian McShane. It's it's really great. It's a really, it's very, it's a fun movie. The way Ray it's Winston made. who played Mr. Hand? No, no, no. <laughs> that's, he's in it? No. <laughs> No, Winstone. Maybe that's how you Winstone, say it. Winstone. Yeah. Who's Mr. Hand? Is that Ray Win? Is it Ray Winston? Is it is it the difference between Winston and Winstone? Oh, it might be. Wait, sexy beast, Ray Winstone, right? Yeah, Ray Winstone. Yeah, Ray Winstone. Yeah. yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, please call in and tell well, us who's Winston. Uh, what's Mr. Hand? Mr. Hand in it's Fast a, Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, but there's, it's, there's an e at the end of Ray, Ray Winstone's Winston. name. Ray oh, Winston. Okay. <laughs> Please keep, really Please keep all this really in. Please keep all this in. Because when you said it, I was like, yeah, yeah, Ray Winston. That's it. That sounds right. <laughs> Stan Winston great, played Mr. Hand. He played it's it as a puppet. It's the great scene. Yeah, where, where uh, Mr. Hand chops off Spicoli's uh, middle finger and hands to him in the pizza box. So Sp- Spicoli sleeps with the pizza. No, so that's it. The drop in Sexy Beast. Sexy Beast. Well, what do you uh, got, Jason? My number 10 is actually, and it was the... Uh, the, the little Scorsese doc at the end of the uh, HBO Max uh, presentation of Goodfellas made me think about this again and go back and watch it. was uh, Public Enemy. James yeah, Cagney. Public oh, Enemy. It's a great one. He's incredible. He's incredible in it. And it is a very, it's very, it's a very Tommy kind of character. He's very, he's, 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 yeah. he's, he's brutal. It's just so brilliant. When you see acting like that, in those old, old, you know, uh, gangster films, those Warner Brothers gangster films, because a lot of the acting around him is not, <laughs> is not, it's, it's like, it's like when you see Brando in a movie, for the first, you're like, oh, right. he's doing something nobody else is doing. It's <laughs> Cagney's like that. And he's mm-hmm. just so compelling. He's so Absolutely. brilliant. And that the final moment of that movie is so Oh yeah, chilling when it's like, oh, they're they're they're, they're bringing him home, ma. They're bringing him home, and his mother's getting the getting the house ready and making the bed and whistling, and everybody's so excited for him to come home, and it's literally his dead body wrapped up at like a, a mummy and kind of just dropped Boom. in the front door. Yeah. It's 
staggering it's mm-hmm. uh it's heartbreaking and uh yeah and feels like something that absolutely inspired uh and goodfellas and and tommy uh the character of tommy uh and my number nine and you're gonna give me a hard time uh is uh is the dark knight uh, because oh, no, it is uh, it, you know i'm with you and it is i was wondering if you're gonna get that on there well, i got it on there because i and i was gonna do number 10 but uh, you know because it, it, it is like it's basically this is a superhero movie version of heat. And when you talk about that, you know, it's so inspired yes. by heat and it's actually a really, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating portrait of, uh, of less of the organized crime world and more of, uh, a city's attempt to eradicate itself of organized crime and how disorganized crime, <laughs> you know, the, the form of the Joker, the chaos element comes in and, and up, upends everything. And the thing that we see so much, especially in, in Goodfellas and all these movies, all the money being passed back and forth. And right. it's all about the money, the money, the money. And to have a, a character who comes in there and says, all you care about is money. This town deserves a better class of criminal. And I'm going to give it to him. It's not about money. It's about Everything burns. Number nine, Fredo. What's your number My nine? number nine is a movie that I love called State of Grace. It's about the Westies and Hell's Kitchen, uh, Sean Penn, Gary Oldman, who's very, it's very much, there's a Mean Streets theme to it. Mm. Uh, Gary Oldman is very much a Johnny Boy character. Ed Harris, Robin Wright, John C. Riley, John Turturro, Burgess Meredith. It's a great cast. Basically, Sean Penn plays his character. He used to be, Ray you know, Walston. comes back to the old neighborhood. Oh, he's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's um He comes back to the old neighborhood uh, and, you know, to the gang that he used to be in, but now he's an undercover cop. And it's sort of that, you know, where does his loyalty lies? There's a fantastic shootout at the end during the St. Patrick's Day parade. Uh, and I always, I haven't seen it in a long time, but when it was on cable, I used to watch it a lot and I really, really liked it. That was, that was my first introduction to Gary Oldman too. What the fuck is that? It's, uh, it's, it's Frankie's idea. You got your favorite gun, right? He got so sick and tired of tossing away a perfectly good piece after every job. Do you take your hands? <laughs> and, uh, you, you, you take your gun, <laughs> but you put the prints on the gun, you stash it. The cops find the gun. They're looking for a dead man. This is somebody's hands? Yeah, hey. What are you touching them for? Terry, me, Flynn. No, no, don't fuck with me. No, don't fuck with me. No. I'm going to take a stab and say this. My number nine is probably in your guys' top ten somewhere. It's Pulp Fiction. Um, this movie is a game changer. It is one of those movies you kind of watch just wide eyed and your mouth open and you go, what is going to happen next? It takes place in all these different, um, timelines and Mm -hmm. out of order. And it is, you know, uh, uh, we had already been introduced to Tarantino by this point, but this was th- this. Uh, it's one of those my a bunch of movies on, on here. Even though this is these are all genre films, it, they feel very different, and yeah. they look at crime in different mm. ways. But so many of mine are like, that's a game changer. That mm. movie's a game changer. Mm-hmm. So is that one. This one influenced that one. You know what I mean? Like, like at least five of them, you could legitimately say these are game changers for film. And this is definitely one of those um, yeah. fiction. And, and and it was another one that I was like, hey, all my friends back home, you need to see this. And then they all did. Yeah. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? 
What? What country are you from? What? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? What? English, motherfucker! Do you speak it? Yes. Then you know what I'm saying. Yes. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. He's black. Go on. He's bald. Does he look like a bitch? What? Does he look like a bitch? No! Then why you try to fuck him like a bitch, Brett? Yes, you did. Yes, you did, Brett. You tried to fuck and Marcellus Wallace don't like to be fucked by anybody except Mrs. Wallace. My number eight is Billy Wilder's Double Indemnity. This is the epitome of film noir. It is, of all people, you think of him and you go, oh, Flubber. Oh, he's the, he's the guy <laughs> right. on every, on every, um, right. on every you know, Disney movie of the week. Fred McMurray, right? He's yeah. my three yeah. sons. Back in the day, in the 40s, he was the hard-boiled, hard-nosed film noir guy. Hmm. It's him and Barbara Stanwyck and Edward G. Robinson. It is brilliant. You can't hmm. not get caught up in this movie. He's an insur- He's an auto insurance guy who goes to Barbara Stanwyck's house to try to, to, to um, um, talk to the husband about the, the policy is instantly smitten with the incredibly sexy Barbara Stanwyck and they plot to kill her husband and not only to kill him, but to make it look like an accident so that they can (laughs) double indemnify the policy and get even more money. But Edward G. Robinson is on to them. And uh, um, you, you know, I won't give away what ensues, but it is brilliant. So my number eight, speaking of uh, film noir, it's uh, the Coen Brothers' Miller's Crossing. That is I great. knew that was going to be on your list. Yeah, you love that movie. I loved it, and I recently rewatched it because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And yeah, it's it's one of my favorite. After Raising Arizona, it might be my second favorite Coen Brothers movie. It's just uh, it's it's such an homage to that classic gangster noir style um you know you mentioned the public enemy there's the third man there's i mean even references to like once upon a time in america um but and i just love gabriel Byrne in it he's just that you know sort of like what you're saying about fred mcmurray just that stoic yeah. tough guy constantly getting the shit kicked out of him <laughs> uh great you know john Turturro, star making roles bernie oh my god oh yeah mm. you know look at your heart john Polito's great albert finney hello tommy you know O'Doul and the mayor? I oughta. Voted for him six times last May. And that ain't the record either. <laughs> you hear about Rug? Yeah. R.I.P. It took his hair, Tommy. Jesus, that's strange. Why would they do that? Maybe it was engines. My number, I guess I'll do eight and then seven. They're my number eight and number seven are coincidentally both kind of about uh, FBI infiltrations of crime families and uh, and sting operations. Um, number eight is uh, American Hustle. I knew that was going to be on David your list. Russell. Yay! I I'm so glad. It's a great movie. That movie. I think yeah. it's. I think it's fantastic. It's so funny. Yep. It's so. Uh, you know the 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 con men or in this case con man and con woman uh christian bale it's one it's a great christian bale performance and amy adams who's stunning she's in fantastic. it she's so good amy adams is terrific in she's it. great uh you know they are 
they are the sympathetic character. They are the these con men yeah. who are kind of uh, they're 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 pulled yeah. into uh, by this FBI agent played by um, uh, Bradley Cooper, who's wonderful and uh, he's so good. He's it? he's so good, but he's kind of the he's kind of the bad guy of the movie. Yeah. He's, he's driven by this. It's it's about the actual 1970s 1980s uh, ab scam operation that was trying to take down corrupt politicians. Um, I found it to be a really beautiful film and very uh, moving. I was very, I was very invested in in uh, Bale being, and Amy Adams and really rooting being for them. Underwhelmed by it, but ultimately enjoying it. I need to see it again. I just need to see. I wanted it again. to put it on my list actually, but I did. But I was like, you know what? I loved it when I saw it, but I'm like, I need to rewatch it before I can do that. I just didn't have time yeah, because I, I loved it. I want, I mean, I've seen it a few times, but I haven't seen it in a while and I would like to revisit it, but I know I loved it. It was my favorite movie of that year of 2013. And so I, I was going to give it a place on the list. Uh, my yeah. number seven is Donnie Brasco, which I think is like, Mike Newell's film. It's so interesting. British director, oh, Mike Newell. Johnny Depp plays, uh, I can't remember his first name, Pistone, uh, the detective, FBI undercover, undercover cop, agent yeah. who uh, infiltrates the Bonanno crime family in New York City during the 70s and uh, and and kind of gains confidence with uh, the great performance of the movie. Uh, Al Pacino as oh my God. Uh, hitman lefty Ruggiero, uh, who, Heartbreaking. who vouches for him and... Uh, uh, and that's, you know, that's his undoing. And, and my favorite scene, the scene that stood with me from when I saw the movie in 1997 in the theater is when Pacino knows he's, uh, his number's up and he, oh, and he's so leaving great. his apartment and he stops and takes off his watch and takes off his rings and takes off anything valuable he leaves at home because he knows he's not coming back and he doesn't want to have any valuables on him when he's killed. Uh, and then he even puts, and he tells, there's a great scene where he instructs death about, uh, how you're supposed to carry your, your money, how you can everybody that nobody uses a wallet. They carry the roll of cash, which you see all throughout Goodfellas, all these wads of cash. You got a couple of fuzzles. I got some, uh, some things I gotta take. Yeah. 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 What do you want? A hundred? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why does the guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll like this? See? Bina on the outside. Okay, come on. And you put the big bill on the front. You know, it's like the, the biggest bill is on the outside. And, and what he puts in his drawer, among other things, is a small wad of cash with a five wrapped around that's I mean it's just showing his depletion throughout the film. But anyway, beautiful scene. But I remember that like struck me. Like a thunderbolt when I saw me that too, movie. Jason. When I think of that movie, That's I think of I think that of, I think scene. of him like leaving his his uh, yeah his valuables. Anyway, so Donnie Brasco is my number seven. So uh, good, Freddie. What's your number seven? My number seven is the movie that started it all for those guys that I was raving about before. Scorsese and De Niro. It's Mean Streets. Yeah, mm. Mean Streets uh, is good. That movie is just you know like i said it's the one that started it for them uh scorsese de niro Keitel, for the joey clams joey scala scene alone <laughs> just with de niro and Keitel going back and forth in the bar is that i mean the that's mook? It's a mook he's a mook is no this is before oh, okay no this is wait it's the first time that you meet de niro de niro oh, comes yeah, yeah. into the stones to uh jumping jack flash and Keitel brings him into the bathroom because he's like you know michael's looking for you owe him money and de niro 
goes off in this monologue, which is just amazing, just explaining why he couldn't pay the money because he got playing craps and there's right. Joey Clams and Joey Scal. And it's just, it's it's like the Marx Brothers. It's like a Marx Brothers routine between the two of them. It's amazing. Yeah, with his hat on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Uh, my number seven, uh, saw this in college. I feel like we might have seen this together. Ridley Scott's Thelma and Louise, one of the great crime movies of all time. They do commit a crime in it, so it is counts as a crime movie. No, it's Um, that's great, and I love it. And I wrote a paper about this movie, and I did a sociology um, survey about this movie, like to see what people thought of it, and had many conversations with my film professors about it because it was a game, another game changer on this list on my crime movies list of like, yeah, this was another one that was like when did we have a basically a Bonnie and Clyde buddy female crime movie where they're, you know, on the run and on the lamb and um, you get introduced to a young Brad Pitt in this, um, you know, and, and Kytel's in it as well. But this movie really doesn't feel like any other movie. There are so many iconic shots uh, and iconic, um, um, uh, 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 you know, just, just things that you go, oh yeah, that's, that's Thelma and Louise, that picture. And then the screenplay is, is it, I'm going to, if I'm wrong about this, cut this please. Um, is it Callie Coury? Yes. That's Callie what, yes, Coury. Yes. Yeah. I am. I am saying that right. Okay. Um, are, yeah. Callie Coury's screenplay is, uh, Pretty freaking amazing. And my favorite thing, though, is the relationship between the two of them and the way you see it grow and develop over the course of the movie. And then that ending. For those who haven't seen it, I wouldn't dare give it away. But Mm. holy mackerel, it is. uh, uh, You just sit there. You just sit there stunned. You really just sit there stunned at the end, or at least I did. Um, My number six, I'd be willing to bet we saw this together, Fred. Boys in the Hood. Did we go see Boys in the Hood together? Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm so glad that that is not on my list, okay. and it killed me not to put it on because that's oh, one I'm of my favorites as well. Thought, yeah, yeah, I thought it would be on yours. Yes. I know. Yes, we did see that. We we spent a lot of time talking about that we movie. We spent a lot yeah. of time talking about this movie, John Singleton's Boys in the Hood, another massive, huge game changer for African American yeah. filmmakers for for movies of this genre. I mean, it's another one that kind of lifted you out of your seat and showed you a different world. Look, I'm sorry about your friend. My heart goes out to his mother and his family, but that's their problem, Trey. You my son, you my problem. I want you to give me the gun. Oh, I see, you wanna end up like little Chris in a wheelchair, huh? Right? No, no, you wanna end up like Doughboy, huh? No? Give me the motherfucking gun, Trey. It's deeply, deeply disturbing and moving and heartbreaking. Um, And then it it sort of spawned a lot of other movies like Menace to Society and some of the other movies that also investigated um, a a lot of these same um, issues. I got to meet John Singleton very, very briefly um, years later because I auditioned for a movie uh, down in Florida that he was shooting with that John Voight wound up being in called Rosewood. And he was very, very kind in the audition. And he was and he was really lovely. Why'd I get mixed up with that bitch? Because she got a great ass. My number six was mentioned before. It's uh, Michael Mann's Heat. Yeah. Uh, brilliant movie. It's just a study in style. Uh, in my opinion, it's De Niro's last great performance. Mm. And everything you said, Dan, I mean, it's just, it's the whole cast is amazing. It just 
it's so exciting. It's tension filled the whole time. And yeah, and that scene and the two, and just great characters, great characters. Yeah. And yeah, it's just watching masters all work and all being orchestrated by Michael Mann. And it's just, it's a beautiful film to watch. We are going to do this picture. I just have another project to do first. One I promised this guy uh, for years. I want to see your books, Harry. I want to see your books. I want to see your fucking bank statements. Hey, want- Ronnie, look at me. You have a piece of a movie. That's all, not a piece of Harry. If he wants to do another movie this year, that's how it's going to be. Excuse me, bro, but who the fuck are you? I'm the one telling you how it is. My uh, my number six is uh, Get Shorty. I think yeah! John Travolta is tremendous as Chili Palmer, uh, this uh, mobster and loan shark who uh, winds up going to Hollywood uh, to... Uh, Basically, to shake down Gene Hackman's two two bit small time movie producer for uh, uh, a loan he owns, and uh, and then is introduced into a world. It reminds me. This is the weirdest parallel. It makes me think of something like Ratatouille, like like uh, open up to right. a world of like possibility where he's like, oh, that he's actually got a flair and a talent for uh, for filmmaking and has uh, uh, great uh, instincts in the uh, in the uh, entertainment world. And it's based on the Elmore Leonard novel. And uh, it's uh, full of great performances. I mean, Hackman's especially great. Uh, Danny DeVito, who is actually, uh, in a funny way, odd casting for the part of like this mm. major movie star that he was trying to get to. I mean, he is a major movie star. <laughs> you know, we we know Danny DeVito is a major movie star. But in a fictional film where you'd say, right. like, who's the biggest movie star in the world? You wouldn't think <laughs> Danny DeVito would be the guy. But I think he's one of the producers of this as well. So there you go. Right. And, uh, and a terrific Rene Russo as well, who I think is pretty much clothed for once. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Rene. <laughs> Thomas Crown. Uh. <laughs> That affair, uh, too much. But um, yeah, all those disgusting movies, as uh, Isabella Berman would say. But uh, no, right. I, I just, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really, really excellent, assured performance from uh, Travolta. My number five is The Departed. Uh, is uh, uh, Martin Scorsese's The Departed? I love this movie more than I ever thought I would, even though it stars Jack Nicholson, who is, you know, kind of my all time (laughs) favorite. I just, you know, after Goodfellas, I saw Casino and was like, I'm tired (laughs) now. Martin Scorsese, I'm tired with this. And now we got to put a guy's head in a vice and we get it. Joe Pesci is crazy. He does crazy things. I, I can't, I can't stand casino. I know a lot of people love it. And maybe on your list, I don't don't like casino. And I I kind of thought I was like, all right, mobsters again, but now they're Irish and whatever. But I really love The Departed. I think it's I, I, it's very different. I, it's very different, and and the performances are fantastic. Matt Damon, Leo DiCaprio. I, it's it's the most I've ever liked a lot of these people. I'm not a huge Matt Damon or DiCaprio fan, and I, oh, wow. and they they bust me wide open in this movie. I really think it's, I think it's great. I think the, the, the music again, uh, Schumacher's editing is fantastic. I just, uh, the rhythms of it are so great. Martin Sheen is so great in it. I just, I, yeah. I love it. And I think Alec Baldwin's great. Alec Baldwin's great. Baldwin Mark and Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg is great. Wahlberg the cast is, is fantastic. In it. Top to bottom. Nicholson's character is based loosely on the uh, uh, Boston Bolger? gangster, Whitey Bulger. And <laughs> Nicholson's performance is batshit crazy. I think it's it's the last great Nicholson performance that we have thus far. You know, he's he's retired as far as uh, we, we know now. But um, uh, I think he only made a few movies after this, but nothing as 
as uh, as muscular as his turn in The Departed. I haven't needed the money since I took Archie's milk money to third grade. Tell you the truth, I don't need pussy anymore either. But I like it. Point I'm making here is, Bill, I got this rat, this annoying, cheating fucking rat. And it brings up questions. My number five is a super fun movie. It's one of my kids' favorite movies as well. It is Steven Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven, uh, which is it's Kate's more favorites. of like that was on her list. Oh, she has a little it's list. It's great. Of, uh, I mean, it's more of like a crime heist movie mm-hmm. than a gangster movie. Yeah. I was trying to skew more to like the gangster genre with this, but there are crimes stuff in there. Too, but, yeah. um, and there is some mob influence. I mean, it takes place in Las Vegas, so that's that's always there. But it's just it's fun. It's slick. It's this wonderful throwback you know to and the the cast is just top notch and they're just having fun i was just gonna say you can tell they're having fun oh they're having a blast they're absolutely having a blast and that's why they keep coming back for more (laughs) and i i've watched this movie so many times so many times and i never get bored it's so well done it's so smart you know when you by by the time you get to the end you're just cheering because it's just Seeing how they mastermind mm. everything, it's great. It's great how it's filmed, the music. It's just, it's one of the, the most fun movies that I've seen, and I, I always enjoy watching it. It is great. One, one of my great. favorite things about it is that the guy that they swindle is Andy Garcia, who I yeah. can't stand. I, can, I can't <laughs> oh, really? stand Andy Garcia. I like he him in that, though. He always annoys the hell out oh, of Oh, I like him. And I'm like, finally, he gets his comeuppance, even though it's fiction. fiction. <laughs> I remember him in The Untouchables and not the liking him. Yeah, and not liking yeah. him. And always oh, really? kind of being cool on Andy Garcia. But I, I like him very much in Ocean's Eleven, actually. He's great. Like yeah. Dan, what's your number five? Back to me. Number five is Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Reservoir Dogs is one uh, yet another one of these movies is, that I feel like brought us all closer together. because We, we would, watched it together, we, Dan. Yes, we watched with it smidgen. together. Yeah. <laughs> Smidgen was there. It's one of his favorite movies. This I know <laughs> because he was very excited during it. As Talk about Mr. The, Pink. The gl- <laughs> Watch what the fist is doing. Uh, oh, Smidgen, we miss you. Uh, the um, yeah, another eminently quotable movie. Pulp Fiction is probably the better film, but mm-hmm. Reservoir Dogs is 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 you know four notches higher on my list because I have that nostalgic feeling about it because it was mm-hmm. a special movie for us and for all my friends. It was yet another one of these movies that, you know, I was like, here's what me and my college friends are watching high school friends. You all need to see this. And then they <laughs> did. And then we would talk about it. You know what I mean? But we all loved it so much, me and you and and, and you, Jason. And then, you know, sort of our expanded group of friends um, uh, would also watch it and quote it over and over again. Mm. It was really like, you know, we, we were, our eyes were constantly being opened to small filmmakers, to indie filmmakers, to up and coming people. And Tarantino was one of those names that you heard because of this movie. You know, all the reviewers were like, you need to see Reservoir Dogs. And then we saw it. And then it was like, okay, we, we, we're going to be, we're going to be on board with this whole uh, indie film uh, uh, movement from here on out. I, I just love it. I think my favorite um, scene in it is probably the uh, Stuck in the Middle with You. You ever listen to Kay Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s? It's 
It's my personal favorite. You get the pan away and you just hear the screams and then the pan back and the ear is off <laughs> and he talks into it. It's again, it's 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 like with the Goodfellas stuff, comedy and horror, you know, uh, yeah. uh, violence living in the same uh, space. It's it's uh, uh, and that's all through that movie. Uh, my number four in my crime movies is uh, list is Fargo. I love Fargo. Mm, yeah. This is yet another That's game great. changer. Uh, uh, so many movies influenced by this. So many. I, I was, you know, I had seen um, uh, Raising Arizona. I had heard about Blood Simple. I, I think Miller's Crossing was kind of, I, I was, I, I didn't really, you know, like I said before, I, I wasn't as into it as you guys were or as you were, Fred. But then Fargo dropped and it was like, wow, this movie. Wow, wow, amazing. Yeah. Wow. Francis McDormand kills it top to bottom and freaking William H. Macy. Oh my God. Well, heck, if you want to, if you want to play games here, I'm working with you on this thing here, but okay, I'll do a damn luck count. Sir, right now? Yeah, right now. You're darn tootin'. So damn important to you. What? I'm sorry, sir. Ah, what the Christ. My oh. number four is Reservoir Dogs. Hey. Uh, again, great memories of watching that with you, Dan. That's right. It's, it's, that's my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. Okay. You're right. Maybe Pulp Fiction might be the better film. Right. Reservoir Dogs is my favorite. I'm with I've you. I've never seen anything like it. Just that playing with the structural narrative again. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Mm -hmm. I listen to it nonstop through college. I just love it. It's, it's another movie that like I can't wait to sit down with my kids and mm. be like, all right, we're going to watch Reservoir Dogs now. It's going to be violent. I'm going to just going to prepare you. But you'll it's it's like nothing you've ever seen. My number four is The Irishman. And <gasps> I, I did not want to see The Irishman. I had no desire. No, I was like, I was really like, uh, again, I was like, enough Scorsese. Enough with the same four people and the same idea and the same thing. Why? And then I saw it and I was, it's it very different. Rocked my world. I, you know, I don't have any Tarantino on my list. Spoiler alert. And I mm. love Tarantino, but I, I, there's, a, I think it's the empathy, what I feel for the characters in, in Scorsese's films. Mm -hmm. I don't feel for anybody in Tarantino's films the same way. Maybe that's what it is, because I admire them. I think they're funny. I think stylistically they're fantastic, but I don't, I'm surprised I don't have any on my, my list, but I got a lot of Scorsese. Um, <laughs> Irishman, I just thought was spectacular. It ended up being my favorite film of that year. Wow. And I wow. was really I was down on it before I had seen it. I was like, Ugh, the Irishman. Yeah, come on. And when it's on Netflix, so it can be six hours and like, come on enough. And he was trashing Marvel and I was like, yeah, no, go away. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And everybody in it, it's a fantastic Al Pacino performance as Hoffa. One of my favorite Robert De Niro, maybe my favorite Robert De Niro performance. He's beautiful and heartbreaking in it. And, and, you know, I, everybody, 
you know, the, the, the thing that's easy to shit talk about it is the, the de-aging and how it's uh, yeah, not right, as effective as right. it could be. You can tell it's a 75 year old guy even when he's supposed to be 20. That's the but, only thing that kept it off my list actually. But that, but, Cause I agree yeah, with you. But, I love it. But it is, but what you get, what you, what you lack in, you know, how, how, how uh, uh, fast the guys move in or whatever is, is you really, you really get to see, <laughs> The art, you know, I, I'd rather watch in a way I'd rather watch this than watch, you know, horrible old age makeup sitting on Robert Downey Jr.'s face as Chaplin or whatever. I mean, sure. I'd, I'd almost <laughs> rather see it this way where, you know, you're you're trying to play your, your younger, more, uh, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not virile necessarily, but whatever. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know. Your younger self, but, but, but you can't, you kind of can't, uh, you kind of can't fake what comes with the, uh, the, the reality of the, the age that he settles yeah. into by the end. And, and Joe Pesci again, as brilliant as he is in Goodfellas, I'm always like, Oh, Joe Pesci, I, I like him. He's wonderful, but he's always the same. He's always the same. He's not, he's not, totally he's really brilliant. Different and he's this. so brilliant in this. Frank, I had to put you into this thing. Or you would never let it happen. And I know you wouldn't. But it's gonna happen. Either way, he's going. I know how you feel, Frank. Trust me, I know how you feel. I told you before, we tried everything to help him. You know that. You tried. He brought this on himself. And it's landing on us. It's mm. it's a it's a that movie is a long is a long drive toward the inevitable. You yeah. know, yeah. It's well, just people will be like, like, "Does it need to be that long?" And you're like, "It does." Yes, yeah. it does. It, that's when you I, when yes. you get to the end. It's such it's the perfect payoff. You're like, "This movie can't be any shorter," because that's what it's right. about. That's what it's, it's about. about it, the passage it's that of time journey and, towards that inevitable thing. Yes, what yeah. se- what seems indulgent at face value is not at all. It is. It yeah. is. Uh, it, it is. And it's like the direct opposite of the, in terms of how Scorsese directed Goodfellas, like it's fast and frenetic. This is just still, it takes its time. Yeah, it's true. It's It's, it's it's a beautiful movie. Anyway, so that's my number four. And I think the unsung performance in it is De Niro's. Pacino and Pesci got got a lot of attention for their performances. De Niro, I think, steals the movie from from both of them. Uh, I do. I think 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 it's his best performance and he he was not nominated, right? They were nominated to my knowledge. But he didn't get a lot of attention, and he was—he's—he's he's no, he's the best. Fantastic, thing he is. Yeah. It's a beautiful performance. It's really, yeah. It's like an—it's in a way an ode to their friendship and aging together, Scorsese and De Niro. In some ways, it's yeah, it's really beautiful. Uh, my number three is In Bruges, uh, Martin oh, McDonough's a great In one. Bruges. I love that Still movie. Never seen it. Oh my god, Dan, I'm you would I love it. It's, it's I know it's beautiful. It's uh, I love McDonough. Yeah, the cast is amazing. Brendan Gleeson, Colin Farrell, and Ray Fine are all <laughs> give fantastic performances. It's very, very funny. It's very dark. It's uh, shot through with so much empathy and and so much the, the code. Even even Ray Fine's character, who's like such a such a brutal gangster. There's there's uh, the call of of loyalty and honor is such a, a strong theme throughout the movie and and second chances the whole thing is about you know um, 
I'm not going to I'm not going to say any more about because you haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You gotta watch I that know. movie. No, it's 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 beautiful. And it's not the typical gangster film, but it's certainly, you know, uh, and there isn't a, there isn't a crime at the center. It's the aftermath right. of something gone wrong. And then what the reckoning is going to be. The boy has the capacity to change. The boy has the capacity to do something decent with his life. Excuse me, Ken. I have the capacity to change. Yeah, you do. You have the capacity to get fucking worse. Oh, yeah, now I'm getting down to it. Harry, let's face it. And I'm not being funny. I mean, no disrespect. But you're a cunt. You're a cunt, Nell. You've always been a cunt. And the only thing that's going to change is you're going to become an even bigger cunt. Maybe you have some more cunt kids. Leave my kids fucking out of here. What have they done? You fucking retract that bit about my cunt fucking kids. I retract that bit about your cunt fucking kids. Insulted my fucking kids. That's going overboard, mate. I retracted it, didn't I? You fucking got that. My number three is a little movie mm. called The Godfather 2. Um, this was the first Godfather movie that I saw. What? I saw Godfather 2 before I saw Godfather 1 because of my obsession with De Niro. I knew De Niro was in this, so I wanted to see it first. My dad said, you're crazy. You're not going to understand it. I said, ah, it's fine. I didn't understand much of it, but I loved it. Uh, this might be my, I said, Midnight Run is my first favorite De Niro performance. Jimmy Conway is my second. This might be my third favorite De Niro performance. His, it's one of the, uh, to me, it's one of the great filmic performances ever. It elevates the medium. It's, it's, you know, how do you get better than Marlon Brando's Don Corleone? Robert De Niro's Don Corleone. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's a study in stillness with Pacino. I mean, we've never, I don't think we've ever seen a Pacino like his Michael, especially in Godfather 2 mm. again. Uh, it's John Cazale's given a bigger role. He, that relationship's fantastic. Uh, Lee Strasberg. It's just, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's such a cold movie. There's something very cold about it um and you're just building to that end i don't want to give it away if you've never seen it mm. but uh it's yeah i just love it and it's the but it's the de niro scenes that when i first saw it excited me because i was all about de niro i just wanted to see mm. him and to this day they're still my favorite scenes in the movie i take everything that's another movie done that where it's like, okay, here's the first movie. Now here's the sequel, and we're going to go back into the backstory of a character from the first movie. There was a movie called Star Wars. Um, <laughs> and then the director, the guy is uh, Lucas or something, was like, hey, let's go back and explore some stuff. I don't know if it was successful or not. But I think he gave it a try. <laughs> but those were prequels. Those were oh, prequels. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, this you're is right. This is the original right. prequel slash sequel. Yeah, I mean that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. That's interesting. But you're right. You're yeah. right, Fred. A guy named George Lucas did attempt that. Yeah. And then Jar Jar. My number <laughs> three. Jar Jar Afternoon. <laughs> I mean Dog Day <laughs> Afternoon. Oh, very good. Oh, yes. I love Sidney Lumet. Very close, very close to being on this list was 12 Angry Men, which is one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time, but I couldn't justify it being a crime movie. Right, <laughs> so right. I left it off the list. But Dog Day Afternoon, I knew that had to be on this list. Mm, Same yeah. people you just mentioned, Al Pacino and John Cazale. Holy yeah. crap, they're incredible. Um, 
twists and turns. If you've never seen this movie, there's a big reveal as to why they're robbing the bank. It's a bank robbery movie. Yep. And it's a lovely movie because you really, really, really feel for them and you empathize with them, especially when you find out why they're doing it. Um, and then you get a great Charles Durning. You get a great uh, 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 oh, he's uh, so who's good. Christopher, Christopher Sarandon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a great top to bottom cast. And the ending is a gut punch like very few other gut punches in movie mm. history, I think, where you just yep. are. It's it's uh, I, I was devastated by it and shocked. Mm. Um, and it's, that's my favorite Pacino performance ever. Is it really? Yeah, is it it really? Is. yeah he's yeah. pretty. He's pretty yeah. incredible in it. Now, you got to understand something. If we leave the country, there's no coming back here. You know what I mean? There's no coming back. So that if there's anybody now that you want to talk to, you want to say goodbye to, do it now. No. No. Is there any special country you want to go to? Wyoming. No, Wyoming. There's not a country. That's all right. I, I'm going to take care of it. Kazal yep. has... the. Uh, he, he might have a perfect movie career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The Conversation, Deer Hunter, Two Godfathers, and Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. Was he in anything else? That was it. And then he died. He died he during, right after away. the Deer yeah. Hunter. So he had yeah. a perfect, he had a, he had a full house. He had a, he had a royal flush of. I think uh, every movie he was in got nominated for Best yes, Picture. Isn't true. that yeah. something? Wow. Wow. If I could go back in time, I've often said, and see any theater production, it was it, it, he and Meryl Streep did Measure for Measure in the Park, and he played Angelo <gasps> yeah. to Isabella. Oh my! I always I would God. like I would love to see John Cazale play that role. I know you see that oh uh, you see God. that uh, that poster is up in the the library at the public when you when, you know yeah. you go to you got to have a drink or something, and that poster's there, and oh, I'm always wow. like, oh my God, I want to just get in a time machine and see yeah. that play that that production. Yeah. Wow. Oh oh, so wait, so that um, was your number three? That was my number three. So now I'm on my number two. Oh, boy, boy, Little boy. movie you might have heard of called The Godfather. Fred wait, was that about related the, to the one that I was talking about? The Godfather Part Two? It have been related in a Lucas, in a George Lucas y kind of way as being <laughs> the prequel to the movie you were talking about. I'm not the biggest fan of Godfather 2. I don't know why. I think it was because I read the Roger Ebert review way back when. It wasn't Roger Ebert. And he was like- As an asshole. Yeah, he was was a jerk. And and he was like, yeah, this is a lesser movie. And I was like, I believe you, Roger Ebert. So I was kind of biased against- I I disagree. I almost almost put- I don't mean to jump ahead, but Godfather is my number two as well. What? I almost, I almost put Godfather two above Godfather. No, I know, but people, people love it, that. and I, I, and I, people love it, and I, and I almost, you know, was thinking about, well, should I rewatch it first before I just leave it off my top crime movies yeah. and gangster movies list? But I was like, no, I, I do remember kind of. You know, n- not being nearly as interested, nearly as invested as I was in Godfather 1 the last time I saw these two movies. Mm. But I need to watch them both. T- I've never sat down and watched one and then two. Oh, and have you guys ever done the sort of the timeline yeah. thing where you I start like at it. the beginning? I experienced it for the first time because oh, my wow. grandfather okay. showed it to me. It was on TV. It was it's playing on TV, on TV when I was it. in seventh grade or sixth grade. It was edited for television and it was called The Godfather Saga. And at that point, Saga. there were only two only two movies, yeah. uh, you know, the hand done part three. And it starts with 
young Michael Corleone and coming to Corleone. Ella, uh, I'm yeah. sorry, uh, young Vito, Don Corleone, yeah. Vito, Vito Corleone, Vito coming to Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty, and it's all the De Niro scenes, and then mm-hmm. it's all of Godfather one, and then it's all the Pacino scenes from two, and I loved it when I was a kid. You know, I mean, yeah. I I would never choose to watch it that way now because obviously yeah, no. Coppola has very good reasons for doing what he's doing the way he does it, but uh, mm-hmm. but that is how I first experienced mm-hmm. any bit of the Godfather. So to my mind. For a long time, it was always like, well, it starts when he's a little boy. It's like the whole, yeah, the whole saga. Um, interesting, interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I've never seen it that way. I, 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 I did watch them in the, you know, I, I watched Godfather one and then two and three came out the same year as Goodfellas, right? And was yeah. up for yes, this picture and oh my god, and I think it got more is, nominations than oh, than Goodfellas. Yeah. Mercy. It, is uh, Eli Wallach in three? Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, Fred Berman, you are a young Eli Wallach, and you always have been. Now listen. Thank you. You, I had an affair with Ann Jackson for a long time, so yeah. (laughs) I can't speak. Um, The Godfather is the movie we are discussing, and that movie is directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who went to Hofstra. So we are part of that legacy. Yes, he started the Spectrum Players. I was the president of the Spectrum Players. (laughs) Ergo, you directed the Godfather. (laughs) And that means somehow by the transitive property, I directed the Godfather before I was even conceived. So you're welcome. World of movies. Um, no, this movie. All right. I will, you know, full disclosure. I saw this movie the first time and didn't like it because I didn't understand it. I was too young to yeah, understand sure. what was going on. Mm-hmm. Then I saw it again with my friend, Nick, my friend, Nick Turkey, who you both both know. And he was like, let me explain to you what's happening <laughs> in this movie. And he was like, so and so is getting married. Okay, that's that's Clemenza. Remember him. Okay, that's remember remember uh, Tessio. You know, remember this guy and remember what so and so said to him. What does that mean though? Don't worry about it. But that's the important part of that. Like he explained it to me as we yeah. went, and then the whole thing was awakened for me, and it was like uh, you know I was I was woken up to the movie, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's it's basically a long tone poem. Yeah. It's about tone. It's about mood. It's lighting. It's dark woods. It's hmm. it's um, you know it's uh, dark rooms. It's um, the, the the sort of romantic or romanticized view of the mob and the mafia. Which they never say the, the word they is never, never say used the in word, that movie, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. the family, the Cosinostra, whatever, and and the the. The opposite of that is Goodfellas, right? That's the, it's like we said before, it's the foot soldier, it's the grime, it's the dirt, it's the murder. In this, it is, it's, it's romantic. And that to me is the appeal of this movie more than anything else. And then you get the sorrow, you get like real true sorrow, you know, like when, uh, when Sonny dies and, and, um, you know, over Tessio and over certain things that happen in the movie. But Diane Keaton I'll watch her do anything anywhere ever. Yeah. I love her. I think she's, I mean, for me, she's right up there with Streep. She's so freaking good. It's ridiculous. And uh, lest we forget, you know, the great uh, Robert Duvall. He, he, he and Khan were Meisner people amongst all the Strasbourg people in the movie. So they were kind of, you know, doing doing their thing their own way. And Coppola is bringing all these different styles and different people together, taking a big chance on Pacino, which nobody wanted to do. And he was like, this is the guy, you know, and then you get Brando in the middle of it, you know, stealing the whole damn thing as mm-hmm. as to be as would be expected because he's the greatest. But let's be frank, uh, 
You never wanted my friendship. And uh, you were afraid to be in my debt. I didn't want to get into trouble. I understand. You found paradise in America. Had a good trade, made a good living. Police protected you and there were courts of law. And you didn't need a friend like me. But uh, now you come to me and you say, Don Corleone, give me justice. But you don't ask with respect. You don't offer friendship. You don't even think to call me Godfather. That is as a, that's my number two. Yeah. You said it all. Uh, I'm sorry. For it's, it. it's no, no, no. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing to say. Like if you haven't seen, I, I think I'm not we gonna... expected this would probably happen. <laughs> but I could, I could talk, we could all talk for hours about the Godfather. It's the Godfather. If you haven't seen it, I, I'm sorry. Shame on you. Go see it. Uh, it's, it's just, I'll just say it's, it's like a warm blanket for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. You know, that's the difference between the Godfather two is a very cold movie. This is a nice warm blanket. It's classic, epic, personal. Michael is the original uh, Walter White. It's, you know, this amazing yeah. mm-hmm. arc of a character. It's, there's, I, I don't know what else to say. It's The Godfather. Yeah. It's my number two. It would be my number one if not for one other movie. <laughs> but it's my number two. Uh, my, my number two is a tie. Between The Godfather 1 and 2. <laughs> but, oh, you did it. I did it because I didn't really... I, and maybe it's because my first experience of them was as sure. one long story. And so yes. I find it a little hard to uh, extricate one from the other. But I will agree that The Godfather... You know, if I had to choose, I'm one of those people that says the original is king. You know, The the Godfather mm-hmm. is, is the one. Brando's performance is... It's a, it's it's a towering achievement. It is so incredibly iconic. He, you know, he also they did not want to cast him either. It wasn't no. just mm. Al Pacino. Everybody thinks, oh, Marlon Nothing Brando. Nothing was became. supposed to work with that movie. It was all supposed to fail. Yeah, he was down on his luck at that time. He was not considered the right choice for that. Too young too you know, whatever. And he's he's mesmerizing, as he so often is. And uh, it is, you know, it, it's so oft parodied that performance, too, that it's uh, it's easy to overlook it. And then you go back and you watch it. And I was watching some scenes from it last night. And I, he just that opening scene, he just draws you in. It's it is. It's very seductive. It's a very warm, sepia toned <laughs> movie. It's uh, we are the cat in his lap. <laughs> Yeah, he's just that's stroking brilliant. us. That's right. He's the stroking the audience. That's exactly. Yeah. Right. But I do love. I do love both. But yes, Godfather Two is a much is a much colder, but in some ways more impressive. You know, it's such an impressive feat. Whenever a sequel ups the ante yeah. on the original, we've said it with Empire Strikes Back, The Dark Knight, a million things. But when you have a movie like the fucking Godfather, and then. To not, you know, of course, everybody has, everybody kind of feels similarly, I think, about Godfather 3, but that should have happened with Godfather 2, you know, that you shouldn't have been able to to come close to, to that perfection. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but the fact that he mm-hmm. does, and for a lot of people surpasses it, is incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I'll tell you that, and I'll tell you the truth, though, and now it's time for me to go to my number one. We all know what it's going to be, because I think it's all our number one. But I was really going back and forth between... The Godfather one 
and Goodfellas as my my number one. I was going back and forth. I thought you were going to go with Analyze This. I was very surprised. <laughs> I'm very surprised. Analyze That, my friend, is the superior Oh, Analyze film. That. Uh, yeah. It's hard <laughs> when you have a work of art like Analyze This. It's hard to surpass, <laughs> even to come close. But then just when, in, just in, in, it all comes down to the title. And when you're saying, I, we did Analyze This, Analyze This, T-O-O, is the logical choice and then a Billy Crystal comes in, a noted, you know, uh, mob historian, and says, no, 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 we should analyze that. Um, <laughs> my nipples are hard. But uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, so I came I love that he, pi- he pitched it mm-hmm. as Fernando. He did. <laughs> Saludos, my darlings. Uh, you look marvelous. The script to analyze this too. But you look more marvelous if we said analyze that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Jason. I there was a split second where I thought I, I think it's safe to say that all of our number ones are good films. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's all. But there was a moment where I thought, I know it's my favorite movie of all time, and if I'm going with gangster movies, is it The Godfather? I still I still stick with my choice. Yeah. As Goodfellas being the number one, yeah. but I was, I, I thought about that as well too. Yeah. It's the way, you know, and, and it's probably also generational too. I think people a little older yeah. than us would probably say, oh, come on, the Godfather, Godfather. that's it. Right. You know, and Goodfellas is great, but it's the Godfather. I think because we were all like early twenties or maybe late teens when this, you know, this kind of hit us, there's something about, and it's, and it is, it's a very different film. It is taking a very different perspective oh, totally. into the world. Right. And the style of the piece is so different. And what Scorsese is doing is so different, but it's a beautiful, it's a, a great companion piece to The Godfather in so many ways. They yeah. are the two towering achievements, really, yes. you know, and, uh, we should, let's talk about Goodfellas now. Okay. We should talk about that. <laughs> I will say one, time? one little thing about it, though. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I, I still <laughs> haven't seen it. <laughs> I re- you had so many great insights, though, um, <laughs> based on the trailer. Uh, <laughs> I was reading something about Henry Hill the other day, and he said, uh, you know, uh, there was an idea that the Godfather was going to kind of blow the lid off of the mafia and the, the and, mm-hmm. and kind of that there would be a, an attendant shame or a scurrying like rats or roaches away from you know, all the, the, the light that was being shown on the mob uh, when that movie came out. And he said it was the exact opposite. He said he and his buddies, like some of those guys in his crew, they got in a car, drove from Long Island to Manhattan and they saw Godfather on opening night and they cheered and they walked out and they felt they felt more validated than ever to see themselves I'll up bet. on the screen. Wow. That's, uh, that's Henry Hill's recollection of the Godfather. He's that's like, amazing. you know, it's like, it's like, it's like anything else, right? It's like representation. It's like, it's like little, yes. it's like kids going to see Black Panther and saying like, that's me up there. That's what yeah. it was like. It's like, I'm seeing me. I'm seeing my lifestyle. Yeah. I'm seeing uh, somebody who looks and acts and talks like me mm-hmm. up on the screen and he's fucking yeah. great. <laughs> and, and being t- and they're being told as like the, the story of America. Yeah. It's like the American yes, story. That's right. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Wow. Really interesting. Anyway, so yeah. Anything, yeah, nothing more to say about the Goodfellas, right? We've done it. Goodfellas is the number one number gangster one slash crime film of all time. And the three of us said it, so it just means it's true now. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us once again. Uh, next time on opening weekend, we're back with three films. Uh, we are revisiting October 1st, 1999. And the three major releases that weekend, David O. Russell's Three Kings, starring George Clooney, Ice Cube, and Mark Wahlberg, uh, about the first 
Iraq War. I remember it being a great one. I can't wait to revisit it. Uh, it was the, the first war? DVD I ever bought. Uh, yeah, really? I still have that. I still have that, <laughs> yeah. that DVD, that, the old like weird paper case with the, yeah. the plastic clip on the end. Yep. That's how Warner mm-hmm. Home Video did all their DVDs back oh in like God. the year 2000. Um, American Beauty. Sam Mendes's American oh, Beauty wow. starring Kevin Spacey. Maybe you've heard of him. Great man. He's done great things. Uh, <laughs> Annette Benning. Uh, 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 oh, God. Oh, God. Who am I? Mina Savari. Chris Thor- Cooper. Thor, Thor- Birch. Birch. Uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic cast. And uh, I remember it being wonderful. Haven't seen that in a long time either. And then a film I've never seen, Mystery Alaska, starring Russell Crowe. And oh, Burt yeah. Reynolds, um, shortly after his career renaissance with Boogie Nights. Anyway, that's all next time on opening weekend. Dan, what you got for us? Oh, I think we have to do. I was. Oh, I think we have to do uh, a little Layla. I think we got to get through the oh, the, the, co- okay. the coda, the ending, the ending. Okay, part, you know when they're mm-hmm. when they're uh, uh, you know just think just think about violence, think about blood, <laughs> and think about people doing horrible things to each other. Okay. Just think about the sticker price on that car. <laughs> Blood smeared on it. <laughs> it's in my mother's name. I'm sorry. never done this we've never done this in the history of the podcast but since it's my favorite movie of all time i'm gonna i'm gonna ask for just a quick request yes, i'm gonna throw course, you a line of course you play let your hands play what should come in next okay ready <laughs> from as far back as i can remember i've always wanted to be a gangster The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. There's the sayer of the flaw. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't say so much unless there's an apparent flaw. I'm sorry. I know. I just—it's not fair. <laughs> I was prepared. I know. I, didn't I just thought of him. Yeah, take your time to say anything. <laughs> no one kept to gather my. I know that's very hard. Say the flaw. No, I'm just <laughs> laughing. The it's difficult. It's also the way you said. It. There's the sayer of the flaw. <laughs> I'm picturing him with his staff turning at the bar and going. What am I, a schmuck on wheels? Sorry.